Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout-out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. But, you know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon come in robin are you there uh yeah it's john john blake i i told you robin was my birth name dude i really like the name robin so i'm gonna go with that so are you ready to start your lessons okay yeah i think so i'm not used to this whole uh zoom thing it would be a little better if you were here but uh okay you got me in this cave here, bro. I mean, is it even good, for, even healthy for me to be here? It is absolutely essential that you train your body in that of a bat cave in order to reach your max potential. I believe even Musashi was in a cave at one point. All right, I don't know who that is, but whatever, I'm down. What's the first thing? All right, so whenever a superstitious criminal does a Yoko Getty sidekick, you are to move your trapezius muscle 30 degrees to the right if he is to be 20 degrees to the left. It requires this level of nuance in order to be the Batman. Uh, oh, wait, uh, Bruce, could you, um, could you teach me how to, like, punch first? You should know how to do that already. I'm here to make you a fucking badass. And that requires you moving your muscles in extremely nuanced ways. Yeah, they didn't teach us that at the academy. Actually, they didn't really teach us anything at the academy other than shooting people, and uh, it doesn't look like this. Oh, no, 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 no. No guns at all. You are to expose your face and have no gun whatsoever while fighting a guy with guns. That is the height of badness. Dude, you shot down Talianer truck with that bad thing that you had. That was a vehicular gun. That's okay, but when it's actual handheld pistols and whatnot, I'm totally against that. Okay, uh, so what weapons do I got? Do I got uh, some sort of taser thing? Do I got knives? Like, what, what's gonna protect me out there? Smoke bombs. Smoke bombs. Okay, great. You should have some smoke bombs there. Please, take them out and while, okay. while moving your trapezius muscle 30 degrees to the right. You are to pick up the smoke bomb with your pinky and thumb only 
Use that in overarching throw and throw it 70 degrees into the air. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm going to throw a bomb at this guy's head? It's a smoke bomb, so it'll be okay. Maybe minor birds. Perhaps make the bald patch a little bit balder than he already has. But that's it. Okay, here goes nothing. Alright, so you said the pinky and the thumb here, uh, and... Don't forget the trapezius. Oh, shit. <coughs> oh, you moved oh, the trapezius over. 40 degrees to the left. That's not right. I thought that was a good thing. No, 30 degrees to the right. Uh, I don't feel so good, man. Let's move on to something else. Okay, so when the criminal's about to pull a haymaker punch on your right cheek, you are to move your serratus muscle 20 degrees to the left, and then take one tiny, tiny step only with the small toe of your left foot, thusly shifting your weight just a few fractions of kilograms. I use the metric system in the back cave, okay? Wait, wait a minute, so I just move my toe and that's supposed to help me here? If you are to be better than criminals, you are to be nuanced as fuck. Okay, fine, I, I can I can try this out, but I gotta ask, like, when I'm out there, you know, you want me out there soon, I'm gonna need some sort of protection thing. You got, like, one of those spare bat suits around for me to wear? Like, what's, how's this gonna work? What if I give you red so that people kind of, you know, looked at you, you're like the standout guy and I'm the Heidi guy? The, well, wait a minute, I thought I'm supposed to take you, take over the whole Batman thing. You get first dibs, and then I walk in via a smoke bomb and then punch them all in the face while they look at you. You can totally take credit. So I'm their target? I mean, that's not what I'm saying, really. Kind of sounds like it is. So <sighs> what do you think? Can it at least be a dark red? No problem. All right, an all red suit, right? All red. But if you like to show some skin, especially on those luscious gams I know you got, there's no problem with that either. And if you want wings on green little booties, absolutely no problem from yours truly whatsoever as well. Uh, Bruce, I don't know what type of shit you're into, but uh, I think I'm out of here. Wait, you're out of here? We just begun. You have to then learn the next lesson in which you move your right hip, but your left big toe, then you have to kind of vibrate your liver. Vibrate my liver? Yes. This is what is taught at the League of Shadows. Okay, I think I'm just gonna move to Bloodhaven. See you around, Bruce. Don't leave me. Bon pour moi. Vous écoutez des trucs des super-héros que vous devriez savoir. Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Brought to you by the three guys known as, first off, the man who knows too much about Batman. This is Ben Wan, followed by... This is Wolfie, the dark dork. <laughs> Dude, do not fucking name yourself that, because it's oh. never going away. Anyway, wait, this no. is Andrew. <laughs> wait, wait. This is Wolfie, the dork knight. No, I'm leaving it <laughs> Yes, a good redo, man. Yeah, perfect. I'll, I'll now, trust you to choose the best one. And the Dork Knight Rises, part oh, three. Man. I mean, the Dark Knight Rises, part three. Why would you ever call me that? <laughs> the current Knight. episode. I would never be called Dork. <laughs> you might be in this movie. Stupid. No, this is. <laughs> this what? Is, 
dropping on July 20th, 2020, which is actually the eight-year anniversary of the release of this movie in 2012. God damn, so, eight years already. We're all old. We're old. I'd like to think we planned this out in advance, but honestly, this was just a coincidence. Yeah, we did. It's all good. Don't worry <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we planned it. We planned it. So, uh, last <laughs> time... Our score for this, we, we are doing our third installment and probably our final one for this movie where we do a comparison between the comics and the movies and vote on which one we prefer. So if you haven't familiarized yourself with our previous episode, stop this now and listen to all the previous ones where we did it with the Nolan movies and come to this one where we will finalize who wins out between comics versus movie. So last time's score was comics 7, movie 0. So... <laughs> <laughs> yep. If the movie gets even one thing right, yeah. it'll be a win. <laughs> uh, before we start, though, I do want to acknowledge we had a fan correction oh, on our first part that came in through Twitter, brought to us by a user at WilsonIV23. The he said, corrections I just... department. Yes. So in the corrections department, he said, quote, I just listened to the Dark Knight Rises podcast to clarify about the line... They expect one of us to the record, brother. Oh, yeah. The reason he says that is because the flight plan he talked about is earlier in the scene where the agent says the people listed are himself, his crew, Dr. Pavel, but only one of them. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Enjoy listening because I am also a big Batman fan. Just wanted to help clarify for you, end quote. Which is an awfully nice way Thank to say, us. yeah, you guys fucked up. But- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're here uh, all night. He- he is correct, because at first I was just like, yeah, but I thought he was just saying that, because in reality he wasn't actually killing the prisoners. But earlier in that uh, earlier in the movie, uh, Littlefinger seems to be surprised by the fact that uh, there are there's more than one prisoner. So uh, Wilson Ivy 23 is correct. Thank you for that. And uh, we will give you another shout-out at the end for being our corrections department. If you guys so ever you listen to Education, this older podcast he doesn't do anymore, uh, Kevin Smith, they, uh-huh. It's a science-based one, where his, his friend, who is very like science-oriented, uh, Andy McElfresh, McElfresh, and he mm-hmm. he says to him, like, well, they get corrections at, like almost every episode. And it's like a bunch of them, and just Kevin Smith fucking he hates it. Like he just doesn't <laughs> care at all about the corrections, especially about the scientific. I mean, he's he's seemingly supports science, but. Like, just having to go through, like, it's like 20 minutes sometimes in some of their episodes. And anyway, long-winded way to say, I do not hate corrections as much as Kevin Smith does. I welcome them. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I welcome them, too, because of the fact that a lot of our podcast is a corrections department for a lot of fan yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, perceptions on things. So I don't mind it when... Uh, other people come out, or even when we we've corrected our, ourselves a few times as well. Yeah, in some of the past things that we've true. talked about. So it's usually stuff that I all... say, I say a bunch yeah. of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for corrections, I wouldn't have graduated college. <laughs> Too Thanks. real. Thanks, <laughs> tutors. So uh, we left off on uh, speaking of corrections. Bruce is now in prison. Fucker. Which is where we left off at the end of <laughs> end of part two. So let's continue. Bane has flown across the world in order to tell Bruce that uh, you know once Gotham is ashes, he has his permission to die. And once he finally got to fly there to say that cool line, he flies all the way back to but Gotham. I want to die now. <laughs> yeah, Bane's and getting he, the air miles in this fucking yeah, I know, right? Movie, huh? <laughs> I had a lot of frequent. <laughs> I had a lot of frequent fire miles. <laughs> <laughs> 
How would you like that credit card registered to? Just boom, it's fine. No last name? No, it's like Madonna. <laughs> just, just the one will do. Fine, one of those. So the guy is he's typing. So Bane flies back and uses up the rest of his frequent flyer miles because it's not like he's going to need them anymore after this movie. And he kidnaps the whole Wayne board. And this is where Gordon goes crazy and says to send all of the GCPD cops down into the sewer. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah. like 3,000. Every single of one of them. It was great, great management going on in Gotham. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. I'm just like, this is the worst thing Commissioner Gordon could have ever done in here. Like, send, send a fair amount. Why do you have to send everybody? It's not like Bane has millions of people down there so this is ridiculous so that's been called out several times uh another thing that hasn't been called out as much but is in the how it should have ended sketch is that when uh bane kidnaps the wayne board and brings miranda tate and lucius fox down there they brought up why didn't lucius fox just activate the emergency flood that's used at the end uh to get rid of the nuke oh right yeah yeah in the cartoon he's just like oh I, i'm sorry i accidentally set off the emergency flood. I guess you don't need this huge bomb anymore. So <laughs> Better get to swimming before you get to dying. <laughs> yes, exactly. That get busy great. swimming. Get busy dying. So <laughs> the reveal is that Bane wants this thing that's been used as an energy source as a bomb, a nuclear bomb, but it's not going to go off for another five months. So this is kind of like The Last Jedi that got described in a video I saw on YouTube as a chase movie, but in like really, really slow motion. Uh, right. Since there was no hyperdrive, where it's like, oh, like I want the bomb to go off, but conveniently not for another few months, so that Batman can, you know, break out of his prison that has no guards and <laughs> find a way back into the city. I, I always thought that scene was so like they didn't do anything with it. Yeah, it's just way too slow. Like a few months later, yeah. is that really what? I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. A few months. Yeah, yeah. They specifically say in the script it's going to go off in five months. See what and kind I'm of like... what kind of writing is that? That's like there's no fucking like I, I look. I'm not fucking like cool. So I, I can finish I, lunch. My career is nowhere near any of these guys, but it just seems like such a bad idea. I know, right? Like it's conven Like why couldn't Bane have gone to Gotham secretly, gotten a hold of that? Miranda Tate was already there, right? She was already she's in on it because she's Talia. Right. Why don't they just set that thing off then, five months before sending Batman? You know, breaking Batman, and then they break Batman. And then, guess what? Your city's gonna burn now, because the nuclear bomb is ready, and then boom. Right. My head is spinning. It's like, it's just <laughs> such a huge, like, kind of a cool scene at the stadium, and then it just falls flat. It's just, yeah, like, spikes exactly. up, and then just doesn't ever... Really, the, I think the movie doesn't really recover from that stadium scene. It doesn't really ever get quite as tense anymore, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, it's a good setup for this whole No Man's Land type thing that they were inspired by, but it just feels like everything just slows down even Yeah, more. and you have a nuclear bomb plot, and your fucking shit <laughs> slowed down? Come on, dude. Who does that? It's about hope, like, being taken away and creating despair, and I'm just like, yeah, but you, like, from a practicality standpoint, you want to kill people. So just so, kill them now. You see, I'm going to add Powers like thing. a nuclear bomb into this script, right? Okay, and then uh, and uh, so when does it uh, when's it going to explode? Like like twenty thirty minutes? Nah, man, like five months later. <laughs> <laughs> it's conveniently enough time oh, for man. Batman to break out of the cell. Yeah, I already started typing the sentence. 
<laughs> I guess it's going to stay in there. Brilliant. So, I guess it's set in stone. This is going to, we're going to make this happen. So, I do not have backspace sequence. on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck. I have a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> so, during the sequence that's sort of preparing for this is like before the stadium sequence, Blake, the world's greatest detective in the Nolanverse, is trying to investigate what's going on, and in the process, this is kind of timely, he accidentally kills a couple of guys with his gun while interrogating them. Oh, man. Which uh, is meant, at the time, it was meant to echo, because at one point he throws the gun away, because he, he sort of sees the flaw of, of doing that, or he doesn't like the fact that he took a life, and that's sort of meant to echo Bruce throwing the gun away at in Begins when Katie Holmes slaps him. So I thought that was an interesting parallel that's that I cool. noticed since since the first night that I saw it in the theater no where guns. it kind of indicated I'm like this guy definitely is going to be if he's not Robin he's definitely going to be the next Batman <laughs> yeah right. he's going to be the new Batman right uh, and then I gotta say even though Nolan's humor isn't exactly our favorite part of this the Star Spangled Banner scene where Bane's like what a lovely voice oh, just had me la- that had me laughing out loud like, it was hilarious was that added in ADR because you could do all of his lines like that because he has a fucking mask on or was it like really on set was it ad lib was it in the was it in the script did you ever did you read it wasn't it was not in the script it is ad lib okay I, I, so I, I there you go the like, oh man it's such a great little line like I I, I I like that Nolan left it in there I think it's cool It's I think it was a good decision I, it's one of the yeah. It's one of the few humor things that actually works. It, it's funny too that the best humor in the movies come from these terrifying villains. Yes, yes. Heath Ledger's <laughs> Joker has the funniest stuff in The Dark Knight. Anything that's not Heath Ledger's Joker humor wise is usually not that great. Unless the exception is like uh, a few of the Bruce Wayne beats with Christian Bale. Those are pretty good. But uh, and then Bane here, right? It's just hilarious because it's, it's probably because you don't expect it, and partially because of the voice, right? As well, <clears throat> this. Yeah. Football stadium sequence is also the first time that Bane's voice leaked out before the plane oh, sequence yes, yes, premiered. Yes, yes. If, if you guys I, I might had a friend remember, that was in the stadium actually. Oh, what was his reaction to the voice? He said that they had no idea what he was saying in person. I yeah. <laughs> wow. It, I mean, and this is obviously before the change after Mission Impossible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sneak peek or whatever. But but yeah, actually, I need to talk to him again about that. Maybe we can have him on. Yeah. Ah, yeah, maybe. I just—I yeah. don't know why. I'm just now thinking about this. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We would still do this episode anyway. But yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. here it was. Somebody on the set was recording it and leaked out the audio of him doing the, you know, Gotham, take control of your city. Yes. And to me, it sounded like an old man. And I was like, what the hell is Tom Hardy doing in this? Yeah. And then we found out, of course, when the prologue came out, that that was the official voice. It wasn't like some people speculated, like maybe he's just doing a funny voice to disguise the real voice, which mm. is like always the fan theory, right? Like this can't be real. They're just doing it for subterfuge, and then it turns out it's not for subterfuge at all. That's the real thing. So that's that's what they did. If I had done a Latinx accent, it would have been worse cultural appropriation than it already was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong on that standpoint. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, I will bring in another similarity to the comics. But before we do that, I don't think I've formally acknowledged this, but a lot of the comic book influences that I talk about on this podcast come from our friends at BatmanOnline.com that had many features about the comic book influences on all basically all the Batman movies. 
and I have contributed to almost all of them under my username at the time on that. So I'm kind of drawing off what I've previously written in some of these things, as well as adding some stuff that I've noticed since then. Uh, but another thing is I want to shout out to Kevin Smith, because Kevin Smith actually saw that feature. And in an episode of Fat Man on Batman, called it, in quote-unquote, an excellent piece, which I, I give a lot of credit to the person who actually put it up, as well as put up the uh, the, the comic book panels. I was not the only person who was part of that. So, uh, And that goes to Silver Nemesis, uh, as well as Paul, who is the webmaster and the owner of BatmanOnline.com. Oh, so nice. thank you to both of you. Hell anyway, yeah. the similarity is that after leaving Bruce in the pit, Bane has showed up to kill a lot of people. So he first thing he does is he blows up the mayor. So Mayor Eyeshadow is gone. And <laughs> no eyeliner, not eyeliner. Batman Well. <laughs> Batman Oh yeah he is. He's Batman Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Mayor Eyeliner is gone, but uh, again, we brought up beforehand the comic book storyline, The Cult. This is another similarity where the villain blew up the mayor in a bomb. Uh, also similar to the Dark Knight. <laughs> blew his ass Dark up. Knight, blew his ass up, yeah. And this is also similar to the Dark Knight Returns, where the mutant leader, who kind of has some similarities to Bane, uh, kills the mayor when they're trying to negotiate in the prison cell. This is also the scene where Bane walks out in the long brown coat that's kind of become iconic. Yeah, holding, and, holding the lapel. Yeah, and that does have some precedence in the comics. There was a comic called Vengeance of Bane 2, where it was the first time you saw him wear a long coat over his like black tank top uh, type suit uh, that he has. I got and chilly. it doesn't have yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have the fuzzy lapels, but I guess it's supposed to disguise him a little more because obviously he'd stand out if he's got his you know his shoulders, his triceps, his biceps just all out for everyone to see as Baby. he's having trouble fitting through doors and shit so uh here bane arrives to announce his plan and this is basically tying into our episode with zach brown that andrew and i did about batman legacy where that storyline was bane associating himself with rosal guantalia but then at the end of it it's believed that rosal guantalia are dead and bane goes on into his own story in the 1997 one shot called batman bane by chuck dixon and he basically gets a hold of a nuclear reactor that was meant to be an energy source that Bruce Wayne was involved in and decides to turn it into a nuclear bomb to threaten Gotham with as revenge for the death, or what he thought was the death of Ra's al Ghul at the time. And he gives an ultimatum to the city, uh, not to take control or anything, but literally just says, I'm going to blow you guys up. He doesn't try to do this whole, like, oh, you know, I give it to you, the people, type of thing. He just <laughs> literally just says, I'm going to kill you. And then he just plans to blow it up anyway to try to destroy Gotham as well as destroy the detective himself. Perhaps that would have been better pacing-wise for this film. I know, but then if he did blow up Gotham at this point and Bruce is in the prison, then that's the, that would be a depressing end to the movie. It's just like, yeah, Batman loses the end. That's, that's what <laughs> yeah, happens. Well, he already quit. <laughs> he already, he's like, you should have quit when he had the chance. Like, so, man, Bane, you want to go get ice cream or something? I'm just <laughs> feel really bummed. <laughs> no one Gotham's is. like totally like blown up now. What the fuck, dude? I don't know how to feel about this. How how interesting would it have been if, because there's a tendency to do a final Harry Potter movie was split into two movies. The final Hunger Games movie was split into two movies. Imagine if it was The Dark Knight Falls as part three that ended with like Gotham being occupied or blown up and shit. And then to make way for Dark Knight Rises where Batman's supposed to come up. Like how 
mind blowing of cliffhanger that would have been. Yeah, he's in the pit. He's he can't do anything about the nuclear bomb going off in Gotham. It's fucking <laughs> a hellscape, and the, there's absolutely no like military in Gotham. Still, for some reason, that doesn't happen in these movies either. It's always just Gotham PD. Anyway, that's another tangent. But uh, <laughs> well, the National Guard does come in. Oh, they're all, that's right. They are in there. Yeah. Um, yeah correction yeah, yeah. department again. <laughs> correction department on ourselves. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've actually never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Andrew, and I saw the poster. I didn't see that one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's many a film I have not seen. But no, um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Bane isolates Gotham by blowing up the bridges and threatening anybody to whoever tries to come in. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out. He even says anybody who, any attempted outside interference is, is going to cause him to trigger the bomb which obviously is a threat he does not make good on because special forces come in, National Guard comes in, and oh, Batman comes yes, in later. that's right. And he still doesn't detonate it. So, <sighs> whoops! I forgot! I forget! I forgot I said that! It's been a few t- years since I've seen this film. Now, it's probably been about a year or two. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, But this is obviously stemming from the 1999 story arc, one of my favorites, No Man's Land where it, the whole city has been cut off from the rest of America, and because of the fact that the government doesn't think that Gotham is anywhere near close to being redeemed, they tell everyone, you need to get out of the city as soon as possible, we're blowing up the bridges, and declaring this a no-man's land. And that was very different from the movie because that was a natural disaster. That was an earthquake in a storyline called Cataclysm that created... Uh, you know, Gotham into becoming such a shithole that that needed to happen. Whereas in the movie, it was because of Bane. So that brings us to our first movies versus comic, natural disaster in the oh, comics, yeah. or Bane being behind it in The Dark Knight Rises. Because, uh, you know, obviously we couldn't just be like, yeah, and on top of him being in prison, na- Mother Nature strikes again and creates this big earthquake. So <laughs> kind of had to have Bane show up. But yeah, what are your guys' preferences, starting with Wolfie? It would have turned into a hell of a different movie if it was like a twister scenario. Right. You got Bill Paxton <laughs> so shows up. Yeah. Flying Unle- cows and whatnot. I, I would think for, yeah, like maybe a, a split sequel or something, the one before the last one, you have this like cataclysm or something, but it just wouldn't really mm-hmm. play because then it's like Batman in a disaster movie, which would be yeah. cool, but it's like mm-hmm. you're trying to have two different movies or something. I guess I like mm-hmm. more that there's a, a villain, a plot behind mm-hmm. that sets things in motion, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew, uh, I I'm interested in this plot that it was always I think a little bit ambiguous, maybe on purpose, maybe on accident. In the movie, as far as like they talk about when a when a forest grows too wild, you must burn it down, or what is this? There's a line from. Pretty much, yeah. It's something yeah. like that in Batman Begins, which Bane's trying to kind of fulfill those wishes, or th- those are the main goals of the of the league, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have it, it. Just kind of points to the fact that Gotham really is that important. Like, I mean, of course, it would be for a Batman story, but I don't know. I kind of wish that there was a little bit more explanation as far as like, what is it about Gotham that needs to be changed first or burnt down first for a new epoch? to begin or something like yes. that there's something interesting mm-hmm. about that and i think that they kind of slept on all of that but you're saying the other choice is to just have an earthquake 
to cause chaos. Mm -hmm. And then right. that's what because I haven't actually I haven't actually read No Man's Land. So the earthquake causes chaos, and right. basically Mind you, the earthquake all, the, happens. all the villains become more powerful <laughs> within the chaos. Is that what happens? Right, right, right. Yeah, basically Gotham has a terrible year because that's the same. This is happening right after the two different contagions that we already covered, as well as Bane threatening to blow up the city with a nuclear bomb, and then an earthquake hits. So it's kind of just like a bad right. luck Harry type of thing, <laughs> bad luck Brian type of thing. I mean, I, I will go with comics, but I will say to play devil's advocate, if they had sort of uh, what do you call it, more kind of more fleshed out this whole League of Assassins thinking, and Bane sort of like fulfilling whatever the fuck um, Ra's al Ghul was trying to do mm -hmm. and, and all of that, I think that it could have at least been equal to the comics. Yeah. You yeah. know? I pretty much agree with you on that one where I'm like, normally, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Wolfie's point too about the fact that when it's villain-influenced, obviously it, it feels a little bit more, it comes from the story as opposed to this, like, reverse day ex machina where instead of god comes to save the day god comes to fuck all you over uh type of thing with with the earthquake it would seem kind of random you would have to write around it in the comic it works out pretty well because of the fact that it's just it's the inciting instant that right. creates all this stuff right, the earthquake yeah. doesn't really the earthquake doesn't play a role outside of just happening and then everything else it's like is like laughing kind of in the night <laughs> yeah yeah no it's not it's not a real thing uh, but yeah, I, I also agree with Andrew's point though that the villain's plot in this is a lot weaker, just in general, than what it could have been. Because it's basically like I'm going to occupy the city so I can blow it up in five months. Right. I'm like, why didn't right. why you just drop a bomb on the city now? Right. He like, Rosal, Rosal, wine and dine. Rosal, exactly. Rosal Ghoul wasn't just Rosal Ghoul didn't show up just to be like, all right, all right, Bruce. We're going to blow up the city in five months. No, he was like ready to destroy it <laughs> yeah, that immediately, that night. Immediately, yeah. Rolling so, in his grave. I like to take my time. You see, <laughs> yes. As it takes so, a long time to build up this body, it will take a long time to break down this city. <laughs> so, I would say this one once again goes to the movie. I mean, it goes to the comics. Sorry, sorry, movie. <laughs> Gave you false hope. Yeah, all, false almost, hope. though. Almost, I think, if they just fleshed out their plot yeah. a little more, their character motive with Bane and League of Assassins. I just gave, I just gave the movie hope, but then Ooh. I took it away, and that caused despair, which is the theme of the movie. See what I did Woo! there? It was totally deliberate. It's amazing, bro. So, <laughs> so, yeah, if we are now 8-0... to zero. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only way the movie is going to win Dang. is if it uh, wins every single category after it's this. It's still got a chance. There's still time. <laughs> there's still time, yeah. could still happen. No, this Come is on, the I time in, in the NFL and like the Super Bowl where there's like two seconds left and yeah. there's no way they come back, so they just run the clock. <laughs> this is this is almost what it feels like. This it's is when the, the audience rooting... Quit. <laughs> The audience rooting for the for the losing side just gets up and they're like, "Yeah, they're gonna lose anyway. Better, yeah. better leave now so that we can get out of here. Better stop yeah. this traffic." <laughs> <laughs> well, so fuck. Bane's first thing when he takes over Gotham is to break out Blackgate Blackgate Prison, which is very similar to him breaking out Arkham Asylum in the beginning of the Nightfall storyline. And both times he uses uh, these like high weapons high-grade weapons-type stuff to blow everything up so that everyone can break out. Uh, in the original version, of course, it was the Arkham... 
it was Arkham Asylum, so it was all of the rogues gallery was out at once. And it was kind of this, the whole story of Nightfall was Batman having to bring all of them back to Arkham and Bane exhausting him that way so that Bane would have him weakened by the time that he was ready to fight him. In this one, obviously, Batman's already been broken at this point, and Bane is just kind of capitalizing on this idea of giving people false hope, or at least giving people who are consider themselves to be the disadvantaged and downtrodden some sense of hope. I, I don't really know, but here we are in a in the sequence where he reads he reads a letter from that he conveniently found in Gordon's coat. To right. bring up the truth about Harvey Dent, and I always thought that was weak because I'm like, who the fuck is gonna believe you? You're a terrorist, right? Like, why would anyone believe this? I thought it would be more powerful <laughs> if they kept, if Gordon, if they did succeed in capturing Gordon from the hospital, because they do try to try to do that earlier on, before Blake tries to save him. Uh, if they did capture Gordon and Bane drags a beaten up Gary Oldman to confess the truth, and Gordon has to confess yeah. what he wasn't able to confess oh, in that'd the be beginning. Incredible. And this city has spent eight years seeing Gordon as this great hero, and Gordon is now broken, just like Batman has been broken. Everybody's been fucking broken. I'm sorry. Yeah. For more <laughs> of he, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to tell the, the people of Gotham, and that's that's when they would actually lose hope, is them hearing from their supposed you know person who they saw as a hero that he lied to them, and oh yeah, Bat and then maybe Bane just drops the broken Batman. The nine eleven was an inside job. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Bane drops down the broken Batman mask and being like, oh he can't save you either. That would be like Ooh. another twisting of the knife into the rest of Gotham. Like that would be to me way more powerful than the whole like oh like let me read this letter that I randomly found and it's up to you to find out whether it's true. Yeah. Like, it's, and also, nobody gives a shit about Harvey Dent at this point because, A, he's been dead for eight years, and, B, Bane's already taken the city hostage, so I'm just like, I don't really care anymore. I vote for, <laughs> you know? I vote yeah. for the Ben rewrite. That's my <laughs> one. <laughs> so, uh, the actions that he takes here are somewhat similar, though, to what happens in the cult because Bane doesn't just break out the black eight inmates. He doesn't just reveal the truth about Harvey Dent, but he also encourages his followers to kill the wealthy and the powerful. So this is where the class warfare comes in. Yeah! This is why... A yeah, tale this is why of North, two cities! <laughs> tale of two cities comes in, Metropolis, Doctor Zavago, all this cultural warfare or uh, class warfare type stuff. It was all to get paid off in this one scene in the entire movie, and that's about it. I, I feel cause... like it, it was epic, <laughs> but it's still... I mean, do you guys feel like it was missing a little something, though? Like, the, it's, it felt like... Like, it was trying to be Braveheart in Gotham, which is, I don't know. Am I wrong here? It was, like, almost there, but it's missing some punch or something to it. I believe it was missing something called development, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it is just, God damn it, he does understand story structure. <laughs> Fucking Mel Gibson. <laughs> it, he well, might it's be modeled. He might be insane, but goddammit, if he doesn't understand story structure. <laughs> South Park. Well, um. Yeah, because in, in the cult, when Deacon Blackfire does this, he's, he's exploiting the poor. He's exploiting all the homeless people to incite them against the rich and powerful. But he's also not trying to hold the city hostage with a fucking nuclear bomb at the same time. Right. Because, right. again, people's priorities. 
people aren't really going to be thinking that much about class warfare unless you're one of those Blackgate prisoners when your whole city's hostage. That is true. People just want to get the fuck out at that point. That'd be actually yeah, exactly. more united than ever. Well, not maybe yeah, not, but maybe. But, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 focus would be on that. Yeah, that's that's true. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, th- that does bring us to our next point: Bane freeing. The rogues gallery members in Arkham Asylum versus Bane freeing random criminals in Blackgate and trying to start a class warfare. Is Gotham supposed to be kind of basically an, an island or a group of islands like New York? They never. It's supposed to be an it, island, yeah. It is, right? It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it, it I is. I think that was mostly. Yeah, I think it was mostly established like that in No Man's Land, where they're just like, yeah, they blow up the bridges so that nobody can get back on. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So Bane freeing. All the Batman villains in Arkham were bane-freeing random criminals in Blackgate for class warfare. Let's go around the room. Wolfie. Oh, man, if they're going to just fuck up all this story anyway, they might as well have thrown a ton more villains in here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> even even really minor ones, but that would have just been fan service. Um, uh, I, think it, I think it went okay because they built up... Um, they built up Arkham in this in this trilogy quite a bit, so I would actually go with the movies on this one. What? What? Wow. Yeah. We Traitor! Have, we have the first vote, but not the first point just yet. Can you? So, sorry. Well, he did vote for the he did vote for the movie last time too. <laughs> oh yeah. Did. Oh yeah. Can you read what was it? What were the options wait, again? Wait, I'm sorry. Hold on, Wolfie. How much is Chris Nolan paying you for this episode? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you can hear the money falling out of my pocket right now. <laughs> he said that I get to be in Tenant Two. Oh. <laughs> tenant One's got to be released first. It's time <laughs> travel. <laughs> Oh, I want my film to be released in the theaters. Releasing on screens is not what a filmmaker would do. <laughs> yeah. Also, don't sit in those chairs. Don't sit in a chair. And what is that, a water <laughs> bottle? You piece of shit. Get off my set. Every chair burns. <laughs> just, a, just as a quick side tangent for people who don't know what we're referring to, Anne Hathaway was recently in an interview <laughs> where she brought up the fact that Chris Nolan doesn't have you sit in chairs on set because, quote, if you're not sitting, then you're not working. And this kind of got controversial because everyone else was just like, well, what the fuck, man? Like, you guys have to stand up for, like, 12 to 13 hours a day shooting stuff. So If you've it was got time to lean, you've got time to clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Flashbacks I, I, to serving tables. <laughs> I, I think, though, I think, though, it was clarified that he specifically didn't want actors to be sitting, but the people who are part of the crew could sick whatever the hell they would want because they're the ones who are doing a ton of the not like the actors aren't doing work but they're doing a ton of the work as opposed to to the actors who if you're going to be on set then be on set like be there to perform if not then go back to your trailer i, I think is what was he's, he's yeah. just so what old he's school with that. i mean to his credit most of the shit he does is pretty damn good if not amazing so mm-hmm. i mean there is that but yeah. it's i mean i've heard of talk you know he has he's big film guy instead of digital He'll never shoot right, digital. Right. And mm-hmm. he just had some quotes like, well, it gives me more time. It gives me more time to talk to my actors <laughs> whenever they're reloading the film. Mm-hmm. You know, just stuff like that. It's just like, okay, man. I mean, okay, you, you get film. You'll you'll be a film guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if that's what it, <laughs> that's what helped add to Heath Ledger's performance, then I'm like, all right, I'm all for that. But then again, I also don't see Heath Ledger just like sitting and chilling on the chair if he had nothing to do. 
you know, I see him just kind of. Apparently, he was chilling out with the. He was he was talking to Michael J. White about different decisions he was making and asking his his opinion on what he should do with the character or how he should say stuff. So like he was like working and stuff and he, in, in his mind. He wasn't doing the whole method thing where he, you know, the people accuse him of where he was still in the mindset of a serial killer right. when the cameras were off. But he was like still thinking. Or he was still approaching from it from an actor's viewpoint. Michael J. White had some. Didn't he say something about like the set actually being pretty chill? Yeah. He was on like a yeah. chill day or something, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's in like two scenes in the movie, so it's, it was indoor <laughs> scenes too. I'm, I'm sure whenever you shoot outside or or with water or something like that or with a huge crowd, it's definitely oh, yeah. a lot more stressful. So to yeah, it's Nolan's credit. It's you pr- yeah. probably amp up the stress on those days. But yeah, Michael Jai White's in this like conclu- you know in, in contained set. You know, minimal people, and Nolan was probably, you know, uh, a little bit more chill, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back to the back to this, because uh, this was also an outdoor scene where he breaks out the criminals from Blackgate. Do you prefer him freeing the criminals from Blackgate to start this class warfare thing, or do you like him freeing the rogues ma- gallery members from Arkham? Well, they didn't set this up at all. I mean, they didn't <laughs> set up a whole lot. You have, like, Joker yeah. dead. I mean, Heath Ledger's gone, so... Two-Face is dead. Two-Face... Ghoul cool is dead. Yeah. Scarecrow is probably the only dude in Arkham where we give a shit about. <laughs> I mean... You're gonna get... It's, this, one's, this one's slightly unfair, maybe, but I will go with comics just because it's always more fun. Especially <laughs> if they had, like, fucking Firefly or whatever the fuck flying around with a... In that crowd, can you imagine that? Spraying people yeah. down. <laughs> like, it would have been insane... <laughs> Actually, I think Nolan could do a pretty good fucking Firefly, now that I think about it. But um, You know, if, if he broke the rogues gallery members out and they went after the rich, that would have been so cool. Dude, and yeah, then they were, like, Batman eating the to, rich, yeah. Batman has to fight them. Like, the army has to fight them at the end, not just a bunch of mercenaries. They have to fight the fucking rogues gallery. It's, like, total fucking chaos, yeah. And then... That'd be epic. There'd be some other crazy technology, like the end of Dark Knight, that he never really wanted to use but this is like insane circumstances i don't know yeah i don't i don't know what they could have done there but um i mean yeah comics i guess but i mean it being realistic a very realistic take on batman and that just being black gate prisoners i understand this choice right i i do but i also think that black gate wasn't set up like arkham was yeah like black gate kind of just shows up in this it has one scene where selena's in it and then Bane breaks it out so that Selina gets out for the sake of the story. And that's about it. We, we haven't seen Arkham. We never see Arkham again after Batman begins. I think Goyer just told Nolan, you know, it's like Arkham, but they're, like, more normal. <laughs> and he's like, oh, <laughs> I like that. You going to finish that cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all of mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I do. I'll side. I'll side with the comics on this one. I think the idea of him breaking out Black Eight prisoners and starting class warfare is good. If he didn't already fucking have the city hostage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're gonna go with comics again. Whoa. <laughs> Nine to zero. Not looking good. Uh, so now he he says that he is taking over Gotham and he declares the city to be called Chaz. I mean Chop. I mean Gotham. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and Chaz, bro. <laughs> and uh, there is a line later. There is a line later that calls Bane a warlord, just FYI, oh, wow. just like the the dude up in uh, up in Chop. So, again, very relevant to 2020. This movie. 
Also relevant wow. is Bane's origin story because it is said that he obtained his mask, quote unquote, during a time of plague. His oh, mask yeah. that covers his mouth. Huh. So very interesting. Huh? But Bruce learns about the origin of Bane from his cell in the pit and him being sort of taken hostage and being a prisoner and even hung up at one point and hearing about the origins of the villain who captured him all is very similar as well to the cult where the same thing happens to him as Batman in the sewers of Gotham and hears about the origins of Deacon Blackfire. Uh, but here he hears the supposed, the supposed origin of Bane to have been the offspring of a mercenary and a warlord's daughter. And since the warlord didn't like the fact that the mercenary uh, impregnated his daughter, he, for whatever reason, imprisoned his daughter instead, who was then pregnant with a child, who, at this point in the story, we're led to believe is Bane, but in the movie, it turns out that that was actually Talia. Oh, right. Now, if you listen to the dialogue, it's actually kind of given away that Bane wouldn't be the child, because it says that Bane got his mask because he was attacked by other prisoners in the pit and that's why he needs the mask and the blind doctor who talks to Bruce is one of the doctors who operated on him that type of thing the thing is that obviously didn't happen to the child because the child escaped before she was even injured so it kind of is a clue that the child is not Bane but whatever I don't uh, think they were thinking that part through I didn't catch <laughs> but, it yeah um, but we don't really know what Bane's true origin is. It seems like he was already in the pit, and he does say that he was born in darkness, but that's about it. Like He, he <laughs> helps well, out Talia. Move into the dang big hole. There's sun coming through. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see light until I was a man. Jeez, yeah, no, he doesn't see. Yeah, he helps Talia, and then he gets beaten for it. And then when Ra's al Ghul comes back to enact vengeance on the prisoners... Bane has already been fucked up, and then that's when they give him the mask, uh, according to later on. In the comics, though, it is true. Bane grew up in a prison because his mom was sent there to pay for a crime of his father. So this is true, and just like with Talia's mom, his mom also died in prison. Oh, so shit. this does tie into it, but it was not in the pit. It was in Peña Duro, the basically the worst prison in the world on the island of Santa Prisca. And that is where Bane spent most of his life until he volunteered for an experiment in Venom and was one of the few survivors. And then he escaped and came to Gotham to take down Batman. Now his motivation in the comic is a little loose because he had some nightmares of Batman and that's kind of why you want to challenge him to be to, 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 to basically take down Batman. So Okay. Uh, whereas in the movie, it is some form of revenge for the death of Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins. So a couple things in comics versus movies. As you guys can tell, I'm kind of stretching it because I wanted to make this more interesting because comics have been winning it. But I have a feeling that might not be the case with this one. Oh, you engineered the perfect question. Bane's motivation the comics where he had a whole bunch of nightmares of bats and then decides to go to Gotham to take down the big bat or the movie where he is feels indebted to Ra's al Ghul for saving him and goes to enact you know finish what Ra's al Ghul started Ooh. I gonna go with the movie again on this one <laughs> I like it 
it's well it's trying it's trying (laughs) to work it's trying its damnedest to work and connect all its narrative threads Mm -hmm. um i like both i wish bane was more latino now that we've brought that up Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah but otherwise being a part yeah of like a kind of like this cultish mentality and fulfilling the will of the master and that kind of thing uh makes sense um Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah I agree. That's what I say. Andrew? You have engineered the perfect question. I think, yeah, it's the movie. <laughs> the movie for sure. Yeah. He's just having, other guys just having dreams of bats. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This, like, there's nothing to set up yeah. Bane being friends. Other, than, I mean, I guess it's fine, but it, I, feel, I feel like in a perfect world, Bane would have even shown up in the background of Batman Begins. Or I don't right? I don't know yeah yeah something like that if he was some rival to Bruce in the League of Shadows like he wanted to be the chosen one but Rawls picked Bruce instead yeah that could yeah, have been yeah. an interesting way to set it up and then pay off in in Dark Knight Rises especially if you got Tom Hardy in 2005 when well I don't know when Bron I forgot when Bronson was but maybe he wouldn't have been as bulked up and then in Dark Knight Rises he's huge <laughs> and then you're like yeah, what the yeah, hell yeah. happened yeah so that could have been cool. Yeah, I go with the movie on this one because I always felt that the origin, the motivation, at least, in the comic was weak in comparison. It was kind of just like, oh, like, you know, I grew up with this prison mentality. You got to take down the big gun and Batman's the big gun in Gotham. So I'm just going to take down the big gun. Like it wasn't there's no personal feeling towards it. It was something if it was something like the movie or was something like what we just talked about, where he was a rival pupil, then it would be a little bit more understandable. That's I've just also them played having to of... write comics like every yeah. fucking pump them out every yeah. week, yeah. every other week, whatever. And like sometimes they're just not triple A material, you know. It was kind of yeah. just like you know we just want Nightfall to happen, so let's get this plot going. Let's <laughs> like yeah. here's our villain yeah, and yeah. next issue. So Boom, baby. that's where we it's got the nineties. Movie <laughs> takes the cake for this one. So finally Ooh. nine to one <laughs> movie. I love cake. My- Movie might be catching up, so we'll see. Bane's origin is not the origin we cover. We have a surprise. Well, it's a surprise if you didn't know that this was going to be an element, but a surprise origin reveal for Ra's al Ghul in this one, where right. Bruce hallucinates Liam Neeson has returned to sort of taunt him the same way that he talked to him when they first met in Batman Begins, which I thought was kind of cool. I told you, I'm immortal. Yes. So the mortality here is more metaphorical because he's talking about I Bane like and Talia carrying on his legacy, which is kind of cool. Just like the pit is kind of a, uh, kind of a metaphor as well of the yeah. immortality or, or coming out renewed sort of thing. Yes, but, yes. That was, that was okay, I guess. It's just the being yeah. hit in the back. <laughs> like, what if he just, I don't know, maybe well, it doesn't show... We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> But Ra's al Ghul reveals he was the mercenary who was the father to the child who grew up in the prison. And the great love he was talking about in Batman Begins was the warlord's daughter. Now, in the comics, Ra's al Ghul was obviously more, has way older than the dude in the movie. In the comics, he was around in ancient Egypt as a doctor. Uh, right. And he and his wife were operating, and they were basically the sultan's the sultan's go-to physicians and the prince the son of the sultan lusted after Ra's al Ghul's wife when the prince fell sick Ra's al Ghul created the Lazarus pit and put the prince in it in order to save his life what he didn't know was that the Lazarus pit creates insanity 
So when the prince was resurrected, he went mad and murdered Ra's al Ghul's wife. The sultan okay. was like, well, that's too bad, but that is my son, and I'm glad he's back. And if you badmouth my son, then I guess you got to go to prison. So he denied that the prince did anything wrong, and he locked up Ra's al Ghul underground with a whole bunch of other people he's locked up. So, And he also locked him up with the corpse of his wife. Oh my Damn. God. That's that old world brutalism. Yeah. Yeah. So now you, if you ever wonder why Rosal Ghul is the way he is, that's why. So Rosal Ghul, as you've probably guessed, escaped from that, took his revenge on the Sultan and the Prince, renamed himself Rosal Ghul, and started the League of Assassins. Rosal Ghul is supposed to be Egyptian, like he's supposed to be Egyptian. Nationality-wise, yeah. it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, like as I covered in the begins, originally they're like, well, he's of no discernible nationality, but when. Denny O'Neill, the creator of Ra's al Ghul, found time to write the origin in Birth of the Demon. He set he he basically illustrated this whole backstory that's in ancient Egypt, in the sands of literally just in the sands of Egypt, and everybody's in that. So that did clearly establish, like, yes, he is supposed to be Egyptian or Middle Eastern. Right, right, right. Okay. But in the movie, he's an Irish dude who's a mercenary who <laughs> <laughs> who joined the League of Shadows. He's some uh, potato he... eating motherfucker. <laughs> I can say that because I'm part Irish. <laughs> he drinks a and lot I of love Guinness. Potato. Hey, Shamrock Balls, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> he's a mercenary who joins the League of Shadows, but he didn't start the League of Shadows, and the warlord sort of banished the him. He yeah, he banished him to the pit, but. Since the mercenary escaped, uh, the warlord's daughter daughter took his place instead, and he didn't know about it until Talia found him years later. So they kind of just combined Roz's dead wife from ancient Egypt with Talia's mother in the comics. So Talia is not immortal or isn't like centuries old like Roz al Ghul. In the comics, her mom was actually like she she was born the same way Bruce was Bruce was born around the same time. And Talia's mother, there's conflicting accounts. In one version, in Mike Byers' Son of the Demon, she was killed by a na- man named Cain who pushed her into the Lazarus Pit, which is kind of connected to the movie since she died in the pit. Uh, and then there's, in Birth of the Demon by Denny O'Neill, this is fucking weird on Denny O'Neill's part. He says that Ra's al Ghul met Talia's mom at Woodstock, and she died of a drug what? overdose. What? What? <laughs> It's Denny, o- Denny O'Neill's a hippie, basically. So <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, look what he did with Green Arrow. Yeah, so th- I, could, I guess this is just his thing. A lot less drugs than Grant yeah. Morrison, though, I think. Yeah, 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 I think so. But we but have two people. very different... Yeah, we have two very different origins of Ra's al Ghul. In one version, he loses... In both versions, he loses the love of his life and decides to take his vengeance out in the world. It's just in one version, it's in ancient Egypt with, like, the sultan or the pharaoh or whatever, and Ra's al Ghul is created way back then and starts the League of Assassins, whereas in the movie, it happens way later in the 20th century, and the League of Shadows already exists, and the mercenary kind of just takes it over as the head later on. He's He didn't start it. So, comics versus movie on this. Wolfie, do you prefer the immortal Ra's al Ghul, um, or do you like the one in the movie? I like, I really do like the metaphorical kind of stuff in the movie, mm-hmm. the way the, they've interpreted those things and those lines of him being immortal and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it works. But I do also like the whole Sultan revenge story. That's like a mini movie unto itself or something. 
Um, I know, right? So I, yeah, I mean, and it would have been better. Yeah, and it would have been better to see a Middle Eastern villain. I guess. I mean, maybe we see too much of that. I don't know. Uh, That's a I'm torn, thing, right? I'm it's torn a here. tricky situation, yeah. isn't it? It's like you want yeah. more diversity, but then it's just like, okay, that's kind of stereotypical villain, Middle Eastern. So I'm going to go with <laughs> the movie on this one. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd rather, rather it be the white guy. <laughs> because it worked for their story this time around. I'm going to let them have it. I like I mean, Liam Neeson. I'm, Dude. I'm hearing the sound of that change in your pocket. Yes. There are those 30 pieces of silver. Give sound. me another question. It's already running out. <laughs> I, I, I read this. Uh, I don't know where I read it online, but it was just like they asked this uh, Native American dude why he doesn't correct white people when they say Indians. And he said, I, I'd rather white people be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, dude, for me, I wish that I kind of like the Middle Eastern thing. And I know it's like, oh, Middle Eastern terrorist bad guy. But I feel like there's so much like cultural element with Egyptian, you know, ancient Egyptian culture and stuff like that. I do think they probably mm-hmm. have to really fucking have a true OG Egyptologist look over whatever the fuck they write for sure. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to make sure it's all good and correct. And then yeah. this is going to be actually historical. This is going to be comic book, whatever there's, you know, the curse of the mummy, all that kind of shit. So cool. And the Lazarus pit being like their addition to it. And I, I wish that, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like the comics are a little bit better, but with Nolan again, being more realistic and it's a good like homage what he did. But it's more. Yeah. F- it's obviously more fun in the comics. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Your vote is for the comics. Yes. I'm like in between because I'm like for the movie this worked because you couldn't really do the like him being existing in ancient Egypt wouldn't really have anything to do with this. Yeah, I know that's a the thing. They, ri- you know? they ri- ri- wrote it in in this way already. So. I would just say as a creative choice, though, I prefer the Denny O'Neill original. Just the sheer savagery of his origin and i don't think the movie had it even close to that element right 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 so it goes to the comics again (laughs) we got 10 to 1 okay it also it also adds to the whole like league of assassins is old as fuck and we sacked rome i know i keep going back to that line but i think that's such an interesting plot like they've engineered human at least cultural evolution since fucking forever it goes i don't know we made the spanish really like gold a lot and kill all the aztecs <laughs> we did that the league of greedy shadows <laughs> greedy shadows <laughs> we've made like, the queen live forever in england yeah it's true right okay so that one goes to the reptile that people one goes are the real <laughs> the there you go and then killer croc in part four Oh, I was dude, disappointed though because a reptiloid. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I was disappointed though because in Begins there was enough ambiguity to bring back Liam Neeson through the Lazarus Pit and be like, oh, he really was immortal. He was there when he sacked Rome. He was there when they loaded the ships with with plague rats. Yes, yes, plague yes. rats back in the Middle Ages. That would have been. And dark. this movie, this movie basically confirms no, he's a human dude. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. He didn't even start the League of Shadows. So for me, it was a disappointment. So that's also why I lean more towards the comic on this one because 
the comic origin wasn't disappointing to me when I was reading it, whereas the movie version was. Right. So, uh, yeah. on to the next one. Now, this will be a very interesting one, as this is where we can discuss what Andrew was teasing earlier about how Bruce's back gets healed. <laughs> so... <laughs> It gets a fucking right. sidekick straight to the L5 uh, lumbar disc. That's where all the uh, you just the kick research that motherfucker right back in. Bane is very nice in this movie because he hooks Bruce up with his own chiropractor in the prison cell. Bro, see? That's back. what I've been saying this whole time. <laughs> so, uh, here when he's hanging, that's when he sees Roswell Ghoul, of course, and that's also another tie-in to the cult because Batman's hung from a very similar way in the cult and also hallucinates past villains, though in the comic it's Two-Face and Joker, whereas in the movie it's Roswell Ghoul. And in the movie it's sort of presumed that he's hanging long enough after getting a nice punch in the back or a kick in the back by that other prisoner who is never named that <laughs> you would think the prisoner would be named by the way because he plays such an important role in basically telling him healing his back and telling him how to escape there's no name in the script either it's just prisoner no, one or whatever he, he's prisoner wow okay <laughs> he's <laughs> sorry tom conti that was the actor but in the comics it was very different his girlfriend was a physical therapist named Chandra Consolving, and it turned out that Chandra had superpowers. She had the power to heal people, and she used her healing powers to heal Bruce's back, while at the same time at the sacrifice of her own mind. So Bruce's back was healed so that Batman could live on again, but Chandra, her mind was reduced to the mind of a child. Whoa. Whoa. Very weird. Obviously, it was not going to happen in the movie that's already full of characters and trying to deal with realism, even though it wasn't really super realistic, but whatever. <laughs> Here, we have a very different, two very interesting ways for Bruce to heal, neither of which I find to be that great. But if, I ha if you guys had to make a preference, it's either the comics where superpowers help heal Bruce's back or <laughs> the movie where it's a nice good old kick in the back. Son of a gun. <laughs> uh, this is a tough one, huh? <laughs> I suppose, like earlier, you were saying, uh, if if, well, I was gonna say if there was more time, but there was five damn months. <laughs> uh, so healing your back in five months—that ain't gonna happen, right? Oh, jeez, I don't know. It's never happened to me. It would. But... It would take superpowers to heal a broken back in under five months. So I'm going to go with the movie on this one. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> it uh, That was a hell of a red herring. I totally thought you were going to go for comics <laughs> when you said that. I really want to. I know. It would really... It makes more... I mean, not even that it makes sense, but it would take that to be able to heal him. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the comics, actually. I was just joking. But let's go with the <laughs> oh. comics here. We could have opened it up for the next run of movies. Superheroes and all. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, Andrew. I mean, dude. <laughs> now that you know the original version. <laughs> it says something to the script whenever the, <laughs> I, like, magical powers are more realistic than a fucking sidekick to the goddamn sacrum. <laughs> like, it's, dude, I just, I remember being mm. in the theater, and usually I'm not the kind, I need, I'm the kind of guy, and let me know if you're out there, listeners. I need, like, a good couple days to fully process a film, usually, especially a Batman film. 
and uh, like I'm I'm just not quick like that. I need a couple. I don't know. It takes a while for me to process it, and then. But this was just immediate. Like what they fucking just a fucking kick to the back. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm gonna I gotta go with the comics just by default. I think I just never right. never liked this whole thing at all. This is tough for me because I don't like either of them. <laughs> they're, not, they're not great. They're not great. Uh, I mean, you guys already voted for. Well, wait, no, wait. Wolfie went with the comics, and Andrew also went with the comics, right? Yeah. So, so you voted out. Uh, anyway. Yeah, you guys are already. Yeah, I voted out anyway. If I were to go with the movie, there was at least, I guess, in the movie, you don't have superpowers, so there's at least some element of kind of believability that if you set the bone back in and keep him hanging in that then over like the course of four to five months then maybe right you know yeah there's a maybe. so hard maybe i got uh, uh, to me this is going to be controversial i you're going to outvote me anyway but i'm going to go with the movie simply because there was no way they could have done the comic book version and the comic book version the yeah. way that i always read it felt right. cheap to me so i don't okay. like either one but if we're going to just use chiropractics to fix his back then i'm like uh, I guess <laughs> he's gonna have works, to go so. back to that pit every two months to get that shit reset <laughs> it's gonna cost him an arm and a leg we don't even know who that prisoner guy was he was probably like an accountant or somebody <laughs> he's just like I, I don't know what the fuck i'm doing but if it helps maybe he got a new occupation when i'm out of this prison <laughs> there's a new division of Wayne chiropractic that's turned up in the <laughs> in the books <laughs> What if uh, like there there was an actual Lazarus pit somewhere in there and a few of them know about it but they don't care like people that run the joint don't ca- like Bane don't care if people use it because it's almost like a form of uh you know they want to keep them alive it's they're they're sadistic in that way they want them to suffer longer so they keep them alive I don't know I'm thinking out loud Even now, some kind of herbal cocktail would have been like or like a mud bath <laughs> would have been like <laughs> This would help heal you fast, you know, and he's in a pit and you're like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Even that little bit of fan service might have been better. Maybe, and they yeah. pull him out of some liquid and he's like, oh, those herbs. Oh, <laughs> oh, I totally feel better now. What was that, prisoner? That was the most realistic procedure I've ever undergone. Can I sort of take that back with me to Gotham? I'll just pop up out of Wait. nowhere, too. Wayne's Honestly, spot. they should have followed. They should have at least given that dude a name, followed up with him or something, because that guy did him a huge ass favor yeah. in there. He's thanks, like, well, still, thanks, rescued Wilbur. the most powerful His- man in the world, and uh, now I'm still in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Like the last shot of him is kind of him looking a little bit despondent uh, after seeing Bruce leave, because he's just like, oh, well, it sucks for me. When we get back from the break, then, we will continue. But we are at, I think it's 11 comics, movie one right now. Am I right on that? Yeah, so when we get back from the break, find out if the movie even gets another win. Probably not. Alfred, I was wondering if that fishy swa was ready yet or not. I'm hungry. Coming, Master Wayne. Hold your horses. It'll be done in just a moment. I need my sustenance for busting thugs in the streets. On the way, on the way. Here I come. Worry not. My gosh dang biceps barely even fit in this gosh dang bat suit anymore as well. 
I'm going to need that tailored again as well, Alfred. Here's your sandwich, Master Wayne. Uh, Yes, yes, let me take a look. Of course, again, no, no problem. I guess one could say I've gotten a bit too swole, as it were. (sighs) Last night on patrol, I put a bunch of... Uh, what has become of my life? This is Alfred Pennyworth, a 63-year-old butler. He lives his daily existence in servitude to what appears to be a feckless lunatic in pajamas. I punched him many times, leaving him unconscious but still alive because I'm still the Batman. He toils day and night to satisfy the whims and whimsy of an overgrown child. One finger push-ups, motherfucker. Let's do this shit, Alfred. We are here quite seriously to examine what in the world went wrong. How has a man who served his government as a special forces agent and a man who has dedicated his life to the service of his greatest friend, but now we see the glamour of this life that he's chosen has seemed to worn off, and the look in his eyes is that of pure despair. Alfred, you know I require a swirly straw with my drink while I eat my fishy soir. Ah, yes. Master Wayne, my apologies. I'll retrieve that right away. Thank you, my good man. Alright, everybody, if you like that little preview to the sketch right there, we have that, plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces, and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Hashtag surge the sack. You're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And welcome back to the final installment of The Dark Knight Rises and the Dark Knight Trilogy itself, where we will finally find out what is going to win the comics versus the movie. I kind of wish it was more of a close run, but right now the comics are winning by a landslide at 11 to 1. So we'll see if we can change that or not. So moving on to the next part, the special forces arrive in Gotham City, and they're led by Captain Jones, who's played by an actor named Daniel Sunjata, who... Uh, I followed at the time because he was in a show called Graceland that uh, a fellow writer of mine uh, used to work on. Just throwing it out there because I did say this was a very prophetic movie for 2020, but Daniel Sanjata is part black, and his death scene is Bane killing him by using his knee on his neck. What? What? Bro, this Just is saying. like some Simpsons shit predicting the future, dude. Just saying. It's crazy. not even like that in the script. It just has Bane suffocate him. Whoa. But in the in which is actually how George Floyd actually died, but it was for from obviously he couldn't breathe from that. Whereas in the movie, he does use the knee on his neck to break the neck. So it's a weird combination of both is what happened in real life. Wow, Jesus, insane, dude. Yeah. through the looking glass, people. All this movie needed was a virus, but even then, there's that mention of the plague being the time where Bane got his mask. So, like, that's there you go. There's the corona reference. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> in both stories, though, I need uh, more both foil. stories of. <laughs> 
in both stories of The Dark Knight Rises and The Cult, people who are interfering or seen as enemies are left hanging. Their bodies are left hanging as a public warning to everyone else. And Batman sees that. It's like shown on TV, and Batman destroys a TV set in The Cult as well as in the, in the movie where Bruce Wayne sees it in the prison cell and throws a rock or something at it to destroy it. So that's another connection to The Cult. Uh, you would think with special forces arriving, Bane would have been like, all right, that's outside interference. I'm going to blow it up. But he didn't do it. So, huh. But, of course, it's not going to be ready for five months, so maybe that's why. But then why would you say that any outside interference would trigger the bomb? I don't get it. So moving <laughs> on. The Lazarus Pit. As we talked about, the pit in this version is a metaphorical version of the Lazarus Pit where it's not a literal, literal resurrection. It's more of a rejuvenation, a spiritual re- rejuvenation that Bruce Wayne goes through when he escapes from the pit. In the comic, Bruce has gone has actually gone through the pit in the story Birth of the Demon, where after covering the Ra's al Ghul origin, Bruce and Ra's have a fight to the death where Bruce is impaled, but they both fall into the Lazarus pit, and Bruce uh, is resurrected somehow without the whole insanity thing. I don't know how that works. Does but he fight Ra's with, uh, Fortitude. with a sword? Like he does in, is it in the game yeah. or something? It's always, it's always the sword. With yeah, Roz, no, it, right. It's always a way for Batman to show off his fencing skills, basically, right? Yes, pretty much, pretty much. So the pit in the movie doesn't have any of the supernatural ability to resurrect people, but it does allow him to sort of metaphorically rise from the ashes. In fact, the cult, as I keep referencing, has a line that literally says, "quote The Dark Knight will yet rise from the ashes of defeat." which is why a lot of people thought there was going to be a connection to that comic when the movie was coming out, and looks like they were right, at least superficially. Side trivia, very granular trivia, but in Japan, it was called Dark Knight Rising. I think only because uh, Metal Gear Solid Rising was already out. It was already in the nerd world in Japan, this word. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was... It's also an English word. They don't want to, like, add... Probably add a bunch of unrecognizable words... But they knew Rising already, so that was, I guess, the reasoning. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> yep. I'm glad I got that in. <laughs> <laughs> but where would you guys go with the Lazarus Pit in the comics or the Pit in the movie? Comics. This might be a tough one. <laughs> tough one for Wolfie, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I really do like how they, at the very least, like re-engineered some of this stuff uh, more metaphorically or symbolically. Uh, so I'm going to go with the pit in the movies. I also thought it was a really beautiful location, which was nice <laughs> to look at. You thought the pit mm-hmm. was a beautiful location or the desert around the pit? The pit, the the big structure of it. It's like a real thing, isn't it? It's a real um, uh, artifact or whatever they would call it. Like, Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's in Turkey somewhere. It's like a big oh. ass old, like, civilization used to live in this big hole or something. I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly. Something like that. I did not know that. Mm. Get a freaking encyclopedia. (laughs) I do remember... (laughs) Yeah, I do remember in the, like, leaked set photos, people were presuming that the the sort of well-looking thing where Bruce gets out of, people thought, oh, they might be setting up the Lazarus pit. Yeah. So yeah. they were kind of right. I mean, it was basically, it's definitely an homage. I just, I just like to see people get into that green goop. You know what I'm saying? Pop I in, know. pop out, looking fresh as a goddamn baby's butt. 
and fucking <laughs> ready to rock that shit. Slightly evil, but you're still alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the upside. All right, so I'm so Wolfie is for the movie, and Andrew's for the comic. It's tiebreaker time. I'm not wearing so, a tie. Uh, it's gonna be tough because of the fact that i also like the metaphorical aspects of the pit and i think it fits the nolan trilogy and i think the escape scenes is one of the best scenes in the movie to me i I can rewatch that one over and over again the movie itself not so much but that particular scene yes and uh i'm gonna go with the movie on this one Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, also, we got to spice it up for our listeners, too. Unbelievable. <laughs> Can't always be a landslide of the comics. I thought for sure I would always vote comic on this one, but <laughs> after the Bane thing, after the Bane, the back healing thing, and now this one, I'm just like, eh, like, I, I can't be so biased against the movie. Like, I got to give them credit for when they did stuff that made sense for their version. So, this one actually is going to go to the movie. Nice. What is that? Uh, Unbelievable. 11, 11 to 2? <laughs> 11 to 2. Woohoo. The movie can still catch up. Come on, guys. Uh, I got money Nine riding mo- on this. <laughs> Nine more categories. <laughs> uh, Bruce escapes and throws the rope down for everyone else because there's no guards, apparently. Uh, and also, <laughs> does he have any idea why the other people are in there? Because I'm just like, oh, cool, you're going to have everyone else escape too. But then I'm like, well, wait, who is everyone else? Well, uh, maybe like, why he, are they he there? they should be in a... Uh, I can sort of understand this. They they should be in like an actual jail, not a fucking hole in the desert. So, yeah, but who's going to capture them? He just threw the ropes down. They might come back out, and they're all murderers. I think he he maybe he deserves. They all need us. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't hate that choice. Honestly. There's a gelato stand up top there, and they don't ever give the prisoners gelato. I, I would have been fine with it if it was, like, different people who Bane captured who we felt deserved to be there who are all, like, people who are like Bruce from, like, all over the world. That type of thing. Where it's, cool. like, it, it, they de- that, that way they could work together. Though it still wouldn't explain the fact that they're free to try to attempt to escape and there's no guards there, but whatever. That would have been cool to add, you know, if there were some guards that he had to take out or whatever. Uh, and it was this whole sort of Count of Monte Cristo prison escape type of thing. But... Oh, well, didn't write it, and it does create the classic plot hole. How did Bruce get back to Gotham? Yeah, which is this, again, it takes me a while to process shit. I didn't really notice this until I went back home and saw it online. Cried. Yeah, I cried. <laughs> cried. No, I didn't cry, but I was just like, this is, I didn't notice, I didn't notice it in my first viewing at all. I, I definitely did, I think, because I was like, What? Yeah, because yeah. the movie sets so much time to establish nobody gets in, nobody gets out. Oh, by the way, nobody gets in, nobody gets out. Oh, by the way, Bruce is in. I was uh, like, wait, what? <laughs> well, let's 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 think about this for a second. He gets out. What does he do? He hijacks a plane. He uses. He gets. Uh, he gets in contact with Lucius or no, 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 with Alfred somehow. He doesn't though. Yeah. I mean, but well, let's, Alfred... let's let's what? Yeah, Alfred's. He's estranged from Alfred at this point, right? So it would have to he's be estranged Lucius. from Alfred. Alfred. Lucius doesn't know that he's back until he sees them. I know, but uh, but uh, okay, but let's rewrite it a little bit. What what could oh, what could he okay. have done here? 
Uh, there, uh, that's a good question because I was going to plug this. There's an awesome video I discovered in between episodes. It's a play, it's a channel on YouTube called Channel Awesome, and they do something called fanscription. And they did their rewrite of The Dark Knight Rises, where what if it was split into two movies and the end revealed the Joker is back, if Heath Ledger was still alive. Yeah. Uh, and if they split it into two movies, there was like, we might as well cover this. So in their version, uh, Bruce is able to fly back into Goth- like the outskirts of Gotham because remember Wayne Manor is kind of on the outskirts of Gotham right, and yeah. there are tunnels planted in the previous movie that they used to get in for the Underground Railroad at this point so, we've yet to see the bat though right The uh, we saw it in like the storage of Wayne Enterprises okay okay so maybe he remoted that shit basically Anyway, go ahead. Potentially. But in, in, yeah, in their version, he figures out how to like get money and then bribe a guy or whatever. To I, I forget what how they explain how he gets back to Wayne Manor. But the idea of him getting into the impenetrable Gotham is using those tunnels that Bane didn't know about because it was the Wayne family secret, which pays off what's planted in Batman Begins as well as gives you one last time that Bruce is in his childhood home before he goes off to his final battle. Which I thought was a pretty cool, fucking cool idea. Yeah. And they have a whole bunch of other ideas of how Joker could have played a role in the movie without completely taking it over and still staying true to what Heath Ledger did in the second movie. It was very impressive. I was just like, damn. I mean, I like my version with Joker helping him get out of Arkham if Bane threw him into Arkham, but they also have a really cool take too. So check those guys out. Uh, Channel Awesome's fanscription. If you guys are following us on social media, uh, the week that this is released, we will post the link in our social media on that. Wait, I'm still... I guess I'm still lost in the minutiae here. So ba- <laughs> okay. so basically, he... I'm still concerned with the minutiae. Andrew's like, please repeat everything you just said. He has to <laughs> basically get out of the hole, find a phone somewhere, call Lucius, I guess, and then Lucius hooks him up with money somehow like he it's like hey pick up this credit card here he's got apple pay i don't know (laughs) he He doesn't have any phone or anything and then he charters a a private jet heads straight there i guess and then uses you know league of assassins fucking you know uh sneaking ability the batman ninja skills to get around guards, thus finally getting into Gotham. The thing is, this is fucking 30 minutes of this fucking movie. You know what I'm saying? They, that, that's why those guys on Channel Awesome said that we're splitting it into two, where the second movie starts with him having to get back in. Right, 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 right. Okay. So that makes sense to me. Uh, I do think it'd be, it'd have been cool if, like, okay, he's got nothing. He's back to the beginning. He's in a foreign land, and nobody knows who he is because he's all bearded, and people think Bruce Wayne is, is in Gotham and everything. So guess what? He has to do the same thing he had to do before. He has to steal in order to, you know, he has to relearn the criminal mind all over again oh, yeah. in order to get back into Gotham. It would be incredible. It's like a, at least the first act of that second film, right? It'd be incredible. Yeah. Plus, he's like, split that up, yeah. he's like, hey, Lucius is like, there's some really crazy shit going on down here. Um, is there is there anybody we can call? And he's like, get John on the phone or some shit like that. You know, like set up John mm-hmm. early, get him in the suit fighting like a thinner Batman. Like they like uh, doesn't Grant Morrison have that like a thinner Batman? Uh, what's his name? Um, Dick. Dick as Batman, and, and every time he's fucking, uh, you know what I mean? Like, usually Batman's yoked as in, the the, in, the, in comics, yeah. but when it's Dick, obviously he's got a little bit more of a lighter build. 
Right. So yeah. I mean, it would be kind of would kind of harken back to that. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a whole list of things you could do here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, he could also have just gone with what we talked about, where Bane just doesn't decides not to throw him into a whole foreign country and instead puts him in Arkham Asylum. So he's already in Gotham. There's when a there's a pit he there. And you don't have to. Or yeah, no, no, he, it's not even he, a pit. If it's he just, creates a pit, yeah, yeah, that's true. If he creates a pit in Arkham, he could do that too. Uh, but what I'm saying is that like we would not have to deal with this whole. How does he get back into Gotham if he's already in Gotham? That's true. And plus, as that's I, true. As I said in part two, like it makes way more sense for Bane to be like, hey, like I want to destroy your city and you at the same time. So you get to watch Gotham burn and you don't can't do anything about it and Gotham and you get taken out in the same way. I had to rack up my miles going to Gotham and from the pit several times. <laughs> well, it's because of your miles, Bane, that you lose in this one because what? if you just kept him in Arkham, <laughs> then he, he wouldn't, may not have, well, he still would have escaped, never mind. <laughs> it's not because of your miles. He is sneaky. It's, it's because of the nuclear bomb thing that took five months. Five <laughs> months? Again, what plot is that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's a really slow stakes. Yeah. Uh, when After Bruce escapes, this is when we see Scarecrow as a judge, which did get applause in my theater, but to me, it never made any fucking sense because I was like... Why is he a judge? Why did he? Ever, why did Bane give him this role? I guess it's kind of a cool villain cameo, but Bane could have easily just been the judge too. Like, I, I just, I felt the Scarecrow cameo in Dark Knight made more sense because, like, he was set free at the end of Batman Begins. He needed to get captured again. It made sense here. I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, which shouldn't be my reaction, honestly, when I see a cameo from a previous Batman villain. Right. 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 Bane is also shown knitting on the side. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that. He's shown knitting, which is a reference to Madame Defarge in A Tale of Two Cities. What is he knitting? I have no idea. Wait, Bane is is knitting in the fucking courtroom scene? Yeah, he is. Are you fucking serious? I have never noticed that. (laughs) Wolfie, did you notice that shit? No, not at all. He is knitting like Madame Defarge uh, in it. Hold on. Yeah, if you... Yeah, if you Google Bane knitting in Google Images, you get to see a few images of it. Wow. <laughs> I fucking, that's ridiculous. He has a few strings hanging from his hands. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Tale of Two Cities, Madame Defarge is doing it as like symbolic signal of her sort of being responsible for this revolution and seeing all the chips fall on everybody and, and keeping count of everybody who dies and whose blood is on her hands type of thing so ah. that's that's what the reference is for i don't know why bane is knitting Whoa. in this other than just being a reference to the tale of two cities but whatever when Bruce that's crazy back, yes <laughs> By the way, I, I think, I, I, think an... I can hear you moving around in your seat a little bit. I think that's maybe Ben. Sorry. Or somebody's moving it's, around. It's Wolfie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Bane is... I don't know why Bane is knitting on here, but he doesn't know that Bruce has returned. So Bruce witnesses Selena help uh, defend a kid and save, a couple ki- save the kid from a couple goons. And uh, because of the fact that the kid has an apple... 
because during these times, food is more important than money, at least in the no man's land. And before she gives the apple back, excuse me, before she gives the apple back, she takes a bite out of it and gives it back to him. And this is actually the first scene, or one of the first scenes in the first No Man's Land issue where the penguin does the same after he auctions off the apple. So that's kind of a cool reference. Uh, nice. Bruce shows up and reveals himself to Selena and offers Ew. clean slates. <laughs> yes, not, not in that way. Not like the wizard did to Patrick. He barely Lane, knows her. <laughs> nothing under my cape. <laughs> he offers the clean slate. Uh, to her in exchange for her help because he feels like he can trust her. Even though the last time they talked, she completely betrayed him and double-crossed him and led to him getting his back broken by Bane. So I don't know why he feels like he can trust her after that. It feels like there's some part of development that wasn't Those quite tight there. Pants. Maybe it's, maybe, yeah, that's probably why, <laughs> honestly. But maybe it's some part of seeing her rescue the kid that shows him that, hey, she's not out for herself the whole time. But if that's the case, then why did he already have the clean slate ready? I don't know, but a bigger issue though is he has to he decides to get himself captured so that he can get to Lucius Fox uh, and Miranda Tate and Lucius Fox can hook him up with the bat gear. Which sounds nice on paper, but there's a few problems with this. One, Bane should have found out that Bruce was back just from the fact he got captured. Right. Two, that's outside interference, so shouldn't that technically mean that it's gonna be the detonation? Three Bruce returns to Lucius and Miranda Tate. And Miranda Tate is Talia. Comics. And Talia is... Yeah. <laughs> Talia is in League of Bane, but when Bane sees the bat symbol later on, he's like, impossible. I'm like, why is it impossible? Miranda Tate could have just told you that. You've had her hostage this whole time. Quote-unquote hostage this whole time. She's working with you. Oh, right. Why wouldn't she just tell you? Uh, you Man, know, like, I... Oh, that's bad as well. I mean... <laughs> The, the the only other thing that really like stood out to me like as I was watching it, uh, and I didn't need time to process was Catwoman just blowing Bane away with one goddamn fell swoop with the bat bike. It's just like I, I'm I'm cutting yeah. I'm cutting way ahead, aren't I? But it's just like yeah. this is like the major villain that gets taken out by somebody not Batman. I mean, sure we give you know the woman character more to do. I get that, but it's just. There was no like punch to it. It just ends. It's just uh, it 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 kills me. That killed me, man. It's done. It's done as a punchline itself too. It's like done as a joke. Yeah, so, right. Like, your main the main villain of the movie is taken out because of a joke, and the joke is on Batman's no kill rule. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a lot that's wrong with this. Like at least, like sure, Snyder's Batman and Batman v Superman didn't. Yeah, he he didn't have the same no kill rule, but he also never joked about that in like an in your face type of thing. Snyder did himself later on in personal stuff, but the movie itself didn't try to make a joke out of that. Right. It was trying to if anything the intentions were that he goes from not killing to going back to I mean he goes from killing to going back to not killing based off of Superman's inspiration. But in this one it's kind of just like, "All right, fuck the no kill rule. We're just killing motherfuckers now." Cuz Batman does not abide by this at all by the finale. Right. Uh, let's see, Batman does rescue the cops on the ice, and he somehow has time to dump gasoline on the bridge to form the bat symbol, as a lot of people criticized, uh, at the time. What's the deal uh, with that? That was in, like, like, 20 fucking superhero movies at the time, but it was a little bit too late. Like, Daredevil did it in, what, 2002 or some shit, and... Daredevil did it? You know, the Mask of Zorro did that. I forgot they did until I rewatched it Oh, yeah, like, that's, like, dude, okay, cool image, but... 
what yeah just like plot wise mechanics wise whatever you want to call it it's not not really great is it it's just such a detour really yeah because then it's just like why would he make himself known to bane if the bane's whole thing is just like any outside interference like you would think bruce would try to be as stealthy as possible and do a surprise attack on this guy not be like hey guess what i'm here um bruce again, what is all that uh that you that, what is that smell uh it's a symbol <laughs> i mean <laughs> i need the whole world to know but aren't you kind of like you know a ninja in a way you need to be kind of in the shadows shut up uh bruce what about all those people who are dying on the ice like shouldn't you uh be helping them right now rather than trying to dump the symbol on the bridge Oh, if this is more important, don't even worry about it, you stupid, <laughs> smarty pants. <laughs> then you got so, Christopher Walken saying, Get off the ice! <laughs> Get off the ice! Max That's Shrek comes back, dude. That joke. would be amazing. <laughs> Max Shrek is back for The Dark Knight Rises. He he crosses continuities. He's like, Bruce! <laughs> there are 52 <laughs> other worlds! Or how does it go? 52 other worlds! Bruce! <laughs> <laughs> Put your bat symbol on the bridge. There's a guy wow. who's a superman. <laughs> you should meet the what? man of of steel. What's his mom's name? So, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> Martha. What? So Batman then goes to save Blake, who is facing off against Stargate's Christopher Judge. That was an interesting cameo. If you're a big uh, science fiction fan. Oh uh, yeah. And the clo- this is the closest we'll get to a Batman and Robin fight scene, fighting every- everyone, because this is this is Blake's only scene with Batman in the entire movie. He's, he has scenes with oh, Christian yeah. Bale's Bruce, but he doesn't have any scenes with Batman until this scene, and this is the only one. And uh, this is also another terrible fight scene, because this is one that has been gifted a lot with uh, a guy, one of the guys just randomly slipping <laughs> in the middle oh, of the fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the side some people some defenders are like blake took him out and i'm like blake didn't do shit he was just watching the whole time come on this is some stunt guy it was just like i hope nobody caught that shit <laughs> don't you want another take and nolan's like no it's fine it's we're trying to, we're trying to save film <laughs> we only have one rule left yeah 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 <laughs> it's old school Batman. too be worried about film and i i love worried about i love being worried about being right fucking goddamn it i love worrying about all the film that i don't have <laughs> so batman here tells blake to wear the mask he says the mask isn't for you it's to protect the people you care about which is again has been quoted recently about yeah, covid prof- prophetic i gotta say yes. my bat boner was at full mast whenever he said that i absolutely fucking loved that line for some reason well i I love that it tied into the foreshadowing with blake because you're just like you know he's gonna get a suit at the end you're just kind of like waiting for it yes whether it's a robin suit or a bat suit you're just like he he gonna be batman i I mean also at at this time i still wasn't like like i'd read a few batman comics like but i i wasn't like super familiar with the ins and outs the nuances of of all that like i feel like this is a really good I feel like this aspect is probably talked about a lot more in the comics than it is in the movies. So for me, for me, the guy that was mainly associated with video games and movies and TV shows, uh, 
I, I didn't really, I hadn't really thought about this aspect, but it was just like, oh yeah, it's not just to hide his identity, it's to protect everybody around him. It actually makes some yes. sort of kind of sense. And like, I turned, okay, in, Seinfeld. I turned into Seinfeld at this time, <laughs> that was more into Batman than, than Superman. But, yeah. but uh, I don't know, I like, uh, that's the thing that Nolan does well, kind of weaves that, and Goyer, Nolan Goyer team, kind of weave that stuff in there, semi, sort of, mm-hmm. organically, so... Long story short, love that scene. No, that's the closest we got to a Batman and Robin scene. Yeah. And it's a cool... Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot it was, it, in terms of character moment. Still don't care that much for Bill's costume and the voice, but the scene itself is fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So we then lead to the next day where it's the only time in the entire trilogy and, in fact, in live-action movies since uh, the 1966 Batman that we see Batman out during the day. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, right? Some people were worried about that, too, when the, there were set pictures of this final fight on, like, Wall Street and stuff where people were just like, they're going to they're gonna CG it into being night, right? Like, sometimes yeah. maybe they sh- shoot it at, during the day because it's easier with the lighting. Like, nope. It's set like during the day. <laughs> day for night, right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it is definitely day during the movie, which is fine because, like, you would think Batman, no matter what time of day... If he's needed, he's going to show up. It doesn't matter. He's not going to wait for the sun to go down just because like, it's better for the shadows. Like, it's just, nah, like, this place is going to blow up. I should probably show up. So, yeah. that was good. He shows up just in time using the bat to shoot the tumblers, which are being used to try to shoot the cops. However, he doesn't really stop the tumblers from being able to drive. So, that was kind of a mistake because the tumblers are not prevented from running over Matthew Modine later. And they could have just run over the police who were charging, but I guess they didn't think about that at the time. What if he uh, uses Batman... EMP blast on the nuke? You know, he... <laughs> that probably wouldn't work, but it'd be Ex- funny. <laughs> <laughs> it could have at least disabled a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, right. Imagine, ooh, what if the ending, he uses EMP blast on like all of the city, so none of the villains could use technology, and it's all like down-to-basics type shit. God damn it. And then there's the shadows even more because there's less artificial light and whatnot. Yeah, it's good. Batman's, Batman, it's good. Batman's like, you are the League of Shadows. I am the shadows. Oh, well, there, dude, that's a good line. But there was a line that no one ever brings up that I think is a really cool line from Bane. It's in the first encounter in the sewer. He says something yeah. like, the shadows betray you, Mr. Wayne, for they belong to me. Metal. And I was like, woo. God damn, that's a good-ass line. Ooh, if if instead of the whole Batman quoting the permission to die back to him, what if he quoted that instead? Dude, yes. Are you kidding me? Bro, yes. it's, uh, we wrote we wrote a better movie. We got our movie. All right, send us the check in the yes, mail, we're Warner waiting. Brothers. We just bernard we're redoing, we're redoing. <laughs> so, uh, during this time, Batman fights Bane, destroys his mask thing and get, then he gets stabbed in the side by Miranda Tate who shocker turns out to be Talia Al Ghul nobody except for maybe 80% of the Batman fans and the comic <laughs> readers who guessed that this was coming <laughs> and then <laughs> the actually, remaining 20% is like who? <laughs> you know, exactly like, they just don't know that part of what, she wasn't in the 60s show like yeah yeah so it's revealed here in a very similar way to her first not really her first appearance, because remember, Talia showed up before Rosal Ghoul, but in the first Rosal Ghoul story, Daughter of the Demon, he pretended that Talia had been taken hostage, and in reality, she was in on it. Similar thing here, where Miranda Tate is supposedly hostage, but she's actually in on it with Bane. 
this is also similar to a twist in the Grant Morrison era, era with Bruce Wayne's girlfriend who seemed to be in distress but turned out to be an agent of the society that was trying to take down Batman at the same time. Batman found out when it was too late when he was trying to rescue her. So there is some precedent for this. There's also precedent for Talia leading the League of Assassins, which also happened during the Grant Morrison era. So there's a lot here that ties into the to the comics, even if the Talia reveal is kind of lackluster here. Yeah, uh, It's also revealed that Talia was the child in the pit, which means that Bane is a lot older than what we expected. So if Talia is close to Batman's age, and they're in their late 30s, and Bane looks like he's at least in his 20s in the flashback, Bane is, I'm guessing, 50-something? I never thought about the that, Dark Knight but Rises, yeah. Which means that Bruce got taken out by a 50-year-old? Dude, but he's, he's on the juice, baby. Venom, son. I I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, suddenly this dude is, like, 20 years older than we thought. And way older than Tom Hardy. I thought Maybe was, that I thought mask in, inhibits him with some kind of, like, steroidal thing that by taking it off, it wouldn't be some nervous disorder that he sustains. It would be the withdrawals from the mask that would, from the drug that keeps him virile and young. Anyway. Also, Bane I mean, being associated with League of Assassins, it's sort of like, is there like a ninja branch of the League, and then there's like a bruiser branch? You know what <laughs> I know, right? Like, what's really going on uses, there? He never really uses any ninja tactics. He says the shadows really. belong to me. He's able to see somebody in shadows, it looks like, I guess, but... Yeah, he doesn't. He's not really like a ninja kind of guy. He never. Yeah, he never really uses the like disappearing axe or whatever. Like the closest is how he shows up in Wall Street, but then again, like or in the plane. But that's just because he's in disguise. That's not really using the shadows. That's just that's just well tactics and using disguise as well. They hide the guns in the mop buckets, though, bro. You forgot about that shit. Yeah, but that wasn't him. <laughs> Those are his men. It was my uh, idea. It was no, during this these flashbacks that reveal that Talia was a child and Bane was her protector that we had a cut scene that uh, Andrew kind of asked about earlier on that revealed a little bit more of Bane's origin. And it would have been Bane... Uh, if you guys remember in Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne was on top of these poles and people were hitting him with sticks. And it was one of the, the shirtless scenes that Bale had. Uh, we would have actually seen Bane wearing a prototype version of that mask. Uh, oh, while shit. being on going through the same type of training and being watched by Ra's al Ghul. It's unknown whether this is going to be Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul or the guy who played the young Ra's al Ghul in the movie. It just says Ra's al Ghul watches Bane training, I think, in the movie that was replaced by just a shot from Batman Begins of, of Ra's. Uh, but we got a little bit more details from the costume designer Lindy Hemming. If you look at the film, unless they've cut it, and I'm sure they haven't. There's a whole early section for Tom Hardy where he's fighting and being taunted by people. He's got chains on him and he's standing on a wooden thing while people are attacking him. And in that scene, he's wearing a much more ragged, primitive version of the mask. And then the Hollywood Reporter revealed to Lindy Hemming that, uh, I'm sorry, that scene is actually not in the movie. Well, that's an awful shame, but I suppose you have to cut things. I won't elaborate on it too much, but it isn't in the film. But there was another section that showed you why he had the mask and where it came from. All right. Thank you, Lindy. So 
that was a cutscene from it, and they even built that prototype mask. I don't think... I think that we've seen some concept art for it, but I don't think we've seen the actual version. And I don't think we have any stills or any footage of what was shot. But it sounds like it was Tom Hardy doing that doing the scene on top of the poles and it may or have been one of the actors playing Rosal Cool. I don't know. But that was what was cut. In the show Gotham, they did a very similar twist where one of the masterminds behind No Man's Land turned out to be the daughter of Rosal Ghoul. However, in their version, it was Nisa Al Ghoul, who is the older daughter of uh, of Rosal Ghoul, who is a little obviously not in love with Batman, is a lot more vengeful, and to be honest, I think that makes more sense than Talia, who is supposed to be the one who has more of a dilemma of between her father's loyalty and her devotion to Bruce. So that does lead us into a comics versus Nolan thing on Talia. Which type of Talia do you prefer? Do you prefer? the Talia in the comics where she's sort of split in between Rosal Ghoul and Batman or do you prefer this Talia who's just basically trying to fulfill her father's legacy I like the comics better yeah yeah I like there being a little bit more between her and Bruce I mean because then where would you get Damien and he's great exactly Indeed. but that didn't stop Talia from still sleeping with him oh yeah <laughs> so so either way some boots get knocked. Some bat boots. <laughs> boots were knocked happens, indeed. Right? Yes. Comics. Right, Comics, y'all. Everybody. Every time. Almost every time. I like them. I like somebody being betwixt <laughs> and between and whatnot. It's a, it makes for the drama. It's way more interesting. I gotta give it to them. So yeah, comics definitely, because Tali is a way better character in the comics. At least the comics pre-Grant Morrison. Because Grant Morrison kind of just turned her into a generic villain at some point. But we'll get into that later. That's a story for another time. But yes, this once again goes to the move. I mean, the comics. Sorry, I'm over. I keep giving you false hope and then despair. No. Uh, <laughs> but to the comics. So I think that's what? 12 to 2. 12 to 2. All right. I believe in you. I believe in you, movie. We only have like 10 more minutes of this movie, but you can catch up. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. Yes, Jim Carrey. <laughs> so uh, Blake, this is another little tidbit, but Blake begging uh, a member, it's either another cop or a member of the National Guard, I forgot, but he's begging him not to shoot him, is uh, very prophetic in 2012. Uh, but anyway, also worth noting in the script, uh, there's a big difference in how Talia and her driver are killed in the movie there's a big chase scene where they're in this big truck and batman's using the bat to where he's kind of just thrown his no guns no killing rule out the window oh, and he's just god i haven't thought about this in a while this is her death scene was like laughed at in the theater <laughs> it was yeah bad. it, it really was pretty was. bad yeah she and goes and her tongue falls yeah. out of her head <laughs> yes. and little x's yes. appear on her eyes it's like high school uh drama cl- time like kind of like wasn't it like kind of it was pretty bad, right? It was like some it was fucking pretty uh, bad. episode I, I one, two, it. three shit from, uh, from uh, Star Wars. Exactly, yeah. Even Natalie Portman's death scene in Revenge of the Sith, I think, was more believable uh, than this. But here, she was taken out by Batman in the movie. He uses his the the 
machine guns as well as the missiles that he's shooting because he doesn't give a fuck about the no killing rule in this movie <laughs> at least at the beginning i mean at least at the end and uh the driver gets taken out and she tries to take the wheel but then more bombs explode and she ends up just driving in you know through that partition thing um into that opening in the script however uh, gordon we got to remember gordon is in the back of that truck I don't know how the fuck he survives when it goes down, but he somehow is in the back of that truck and he survives. He actually uses a gun and kills the driver. Uh, so the driver gets shot in the back, and Catwoman firing the bat pot is what causes Talia to sort of crash at that point. So Batman actually isn't responsible for their deaths in the script. They made him responsible in the movie. Whoa. And that's mind-boggling to me, considering wow. that... Yeah, considering that this is the same movie where he says no guns, no killing earlier on, and then he just completely goes against that, and there's no dramatic choice for him to go against that. Perhaps there's just a, a little bit of killing every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, Catwoman joking about it earlier and killing Bane says, "You know what? It's time to kill people." But he, we don't, we don't even have that. It's time we don't have that beat at all for the fucking pain of death. However, this is not the only time that Batman has used guns in his vehicles in the movies, and also not the first time he's used it, even in the comics. So, in the issue Batman number one, the Giants of Hugo Strange story had Hugo Strange creating these giant men, and at the time, since the no-kill rule wasn't being enforced by the editor Whitney Ellsworth, Bill Finger had Batman using guns on his Batplane, and he uses it to shoot Hugo Strange's henchmen to death while they're in the van. This is in 1940. Bill Finger wrote that? Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Well, you know, it, it, so, it takes... I mean, I guess I guess it has precedent in the comics, but uh, and but the thing is, the Batman lore changes over time, and this has been well, a yes. very well-accepted change since then. Right. So, and I don't know. To be fair, Bill Finger was having Batman use guns because he was going off the shadow lore when the shadow yeah. was using guns. So that's pretty much why it wasn't until that DC editor, Will, Woody Ellsworth said, Hey, Batman shouldn't kill people that the whole no kill rule was enforced. So yeah. the whole image though, of Batman shooting a machine gun from the bat plane or the bat wing does come from that issue. And that was in Batman 1989. It was in this movie and it's also in Batman v Superman. So it's always um, with it's vehicular guns yeah. like he doesn't ever like hold hold a fucking pistol unless it's like the emp blast gun thingy that's not a real gun though right but it's yeah it's or like as soon as they put batman in a vehicle it's all fucking yeah. over bro he's gonna start shooting motherfuckers <laughs> except in batman v superman where he just takes that dude's gun and uses it to blow that other dude up yeah when he right. tries to save martha right 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 <laughs> like that was the only time I'm like oh damn okay um but yeah, that was in The Dark Knight Returns, though, so I can't fault the movie for that. But anyway, back to this movie with Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Batman using extreme measures like assault vehicles and guns with that was also in the cult. However, he wasn't using the regular bullets. He was using, again, very relevant to 2020, he was using rubber bullets during that time. Oh, yeah. So his attempts to be non-lethal, but as we've seen lately in the news, especially that doesn't mean that they don't hurt so or, or cause major injury. Talia, Definitely, uh, dude. You at yeah. least likes broken yeah. ribs, internal bleeding. Yeah. Like, who knows what the fuck? Yeah. 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 So here, Talia dies from the crash. Again, no idea how Gordon survived because he was in the back with a nuclear bomb and no seatbelt. <laughs> he manages to walk fine right. out of it. Talia has a seatbelt but dies in, as Wolfie already noted, the worst death scene of all time. 
<laughs> that does lead Batman <clears throat> to realize that he has to take the nuclear bomb away, which feels like a callback to the 1966 movies, Some Days You Just Can't Get Rid of a Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Be, that would have been a great time to put that line in. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. And then he blows up, and that's his last line of the entire trilogy, and he dies. <laughs> Cut to Batman Day, and Gordon's crying, and they're fucking planes flying overhead. And Meanwhile, the audience is, like, distracting. Like, did they seriously just have him say that at the end? <laughs> yeah. Here, Batman reveals his true identity to Gordon, which did get some criticism at the time, because they're just like, dude, Catwoman knows, Bane knows, Talia knows, Blake knows... Gordon has known him the longest, and he still didn't figure it out. <laughs> nah. Right. I kind of let it slide, because there's an element of... Because he does literally say, like, I never care who you were. And there's an element of Gordon in the comics who doesn't really care about it either. So uh, I was I, I was okay with it. I did like the callback to the begins scene where Gordon draped the coat around his shoulders. So that was really cool to me. Yeah. Um, yeah but the on, only time where Gordon has been revealed to know that is in The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, which, of course, influenced part of this movie. Uh, but they never showed how he found out. He, it starts the story with him finding out. There's a scene uh, in uh, the animated series, right, where they somebody, maybe Bullock or somebody, says, do you know who he is? And he turns to him, and Gordon says, I don't want to know. <laughs> uh-huh. I always thought that was cool. It's like, it's Batman. I don't, he's, he's just Batman to me. I don't care who he is. Yeah. Well, Gordon is a detective. So you would think he would know and figure it out, and he technically does kind of figure it out in year one because he suspects Bruce there. If he cared, if think, he cared enough, I don't know. Maybe you're, I mean, of course you're right, but I'm. I feel like he never put any resources into it because I don't know. I kind of do. You see, like Gordon is like a kind of like a fanboy in and of himself, and he's like he just wants to keep the mystique around Batman. Like I don't know. I always thought that line was so cool from the cartoon. I think. There's an element of Gordon Batman where they are who they wish they could be. So Gordon wishes he could be the one who could bend the rules and be Batman if he were young again. And Batman wishes that he could be like Gordon and come home to a family and an ordinary life. God damn it. I never even thought about that. That's some good (laughs) shit, bro. (laughs) To be honest, I just thought about that while you were talking about it. I'm like, "Eh, you know, there is that connection. Yeah. Uh, over there. It depends on which version you get, uh, which version you're working with. But here, I, I think, you know, obviously this is this trilogy did cement the Batman-Gordon relationship. It's the best version of it, kind of by default in the live-action versions because, you know, we didn't really get to see much interaction of Michael Keaton or Kilmer or Clooney with Pat Hingle. Um, and the last time we saw interaction, this much interaction with Batman and Gordon was in the 66 show where Gordon was pretty much a helpless cop who couldn't do anything. So... The fact that this Gordon was competent and had such a big role obviously cemented Gary Oldman as uh, the best Gordon. And this is being the best Batman-Gordon relationship. And hopefully the Matt Reeves version with Pattinson and Jeffrey Wright continues off of what this started. So uh, I really liked it. I really like the the way the Gordon stuff wrapped up here. And it does lead into the next part, which is the supposed death of Bruce, where he flies the nuclear bomb away and then supposedly dies in the blast i don't know when he ejected from the bat and did the autopilot it had to have been way later than when he flew over the bridge though because for him for him to not be susceptible to the nuclear blast part or 
for Gotham to not get hit with a radiation fallout, but that's a whole other story. Uh, Blake witnessing the death of Batman in the explosion is similar to Dick Grayson actually seeing a similar scene of a helicopter exploding with Batman on it in Batman R.I.P. by Grant Morrison. And there's a great image, I think it's illustrated by Tony Daniel, where Dick Grayson is holding the cape and cowl that flies down, uh, the Bruce's cape and cowl uh, that came out from the explosion. And it's indicated he's going to take over. Oh, shit. So uh, Gordon then quotes the Tale of Two Cities, a Tale of Two Cities at Bruce's funeral. He's quoting the last lines of Sidney Carton, who sacrifices his life to save uh, Charles Darnay and the woman he loves, uh, who's Charles's uh, girlfriend, whose name I forget. I think it's Lucy Epinay. Uh, it's been a while. It's been eight years, guys, since I read this. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> You've only seen this movie once, right? <laughs> Uh, in the theater. Yes. That's insane, man. Once in the theater. Luis de Epinay? Well, to be fair, I did reread the uh, script before this. Oh, yeah. To, to okay. find tidbits. So I figured that would count uh, for me to re-watch the movie and reread the script. Nice, uh, bro. Yes. Hold on. We can cut this part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking up her name because I'm just like, I don't want to make a fool of myself forgetting the main female character of A Tale of Two Cities. Lucy Manette. Okay, let me redo this one. <clears throat> okay. All right, so so Gordon quotes A Tale of Two Cities at Bruce's funeral, and it's a very relevant quote because it's the quote that Sidney Carton says when he sacrifices himself on behalf of Lucy Manette and Lucy Manette's betrothed Charles Darnay. Now, Carton in the story is in love with Lucy, uh, but he's kind of Charles Darnay's lookalike, so he takes on Charles's uh, place and the execution spot and he gets executed in Charles's place so that Charles and Lucy can go on and live happily ever after in the movie Bruce obviously appears to make a similar type of sacrifice but for the good of Gotham uh, in both stories however it turns out Bruce has faked his death as <laughs> if we didn't already guess that was what was going on uh, but in the even in the Elseworlds comic this brings us back to our Batman versus Dracula episode the comic Batman and Dracula Red Rain, uh, Alfred sort of obtains a lot of... He becomes the executor of the estate uh, and you, and basically uses the wealth to help the homeless during a time where it's believed Bruce is dead, but in that comic, he's not actually really dead. He's undead because he's a vampire. In the movie, obviously, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, he did fake his death so that he could go off to Italy with Selena, who now has his mother's pearls. Like, let's now, like, let's address real quick that 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 <laughs> that fucking funeral scene that everybody says is in the face of the Joker. Your thoughts on that? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Bullshit. Yeah, I, I I think that's a stretch. It is definitely a fate. I mean, it's it does look like like it's such a strange formation for mm-hmm. for anything really it's just like wow is the, i mean but then again what are they trying to say the joker's still alive joker's yeah, presence like why would you why would you put the joker in that part i, I know that's the thing like somebody what gets happens? the last laugh like what's the deal so there's this internet rumor you can see uh, pictures like memes of it and shit that where they reveal the fucking batman statue right remember that part uh-huh at the funeral at the yeah. end so there's a wide shot um, looking down wide and on the like from the sky, looking down onto the crowd, and the crowd in the funeral at the or I guess you could say funeral slash uh, fucking um, statue unveiling uh, is it, it, people are in the shape what appears to be of a of a somebody smiling. Hmm. 
So it's just been like one of those like weird internet rumors. It does. It is a very strange, like who would be fucking set up like that? It's really, really weird. But then at the same time, like we just said, what's the fucking point of it from a story perspective just to be like, hey, Joker's still smiling even though he's fucking dead. Like, I don't know, like what what does it all mean? You know, I don't it yeah. doesn't really do anything. And I we don't think Goyer's that bad. <laughs> you know, like, no. I don't yes. know. I don't know. I, I don't think you would have had anything to do with that. And also, it's, it's kind of, it kind reminds me of everyone says that you can see an image of Batman in the mirror in the beginning of Joker. And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't heard that it's, one. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll show you guys it afterwards. But I, I think that one's a stretch, too. I think people just want to see into certain things and see symbolism, even if it doesn't make sense for symbolism to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to at least I'm glad we addressed it yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so it implies that Blake, well, obviously we know that Blake is Robin, and we talked about that before, uh, but he's going to take on the mantle of Batman or take on some persona because he inherits the Batcave. And in a scene that another also echoes Batman begins, he gets swarmed by bats in the cave. But uh, in this scene, obviously, since he's going to take on the role, we've sort of made fun of the fact, like, oh, like he's just he's a police officer. He doesn't have the right training to become Batman, but there is precedent in the comics. In nineteen forty, the 1944 comic strip, The Secret of Triangle Farm, Batman was injured and he had to trust a GCPD sergeant named Bill Randall to take over the cowl. Wow. And in another story called The Case of Batman 2 by Bill Finger, Bruce Wayne faked his death and took on Bill Randall's identity to become another Batman. So this idea of Bruce Wayne faking his death, a police officer or a former cop taking on the Batman role is actually in the comics, as well as the fact that Dick Grayson takes on uh, Batman's role after Bruce supposedly dies in the Grant Morrison comics. We're going to have Zoom lessons every Tuesday from 6.30 <laughs> to 7.30 on Ninja Acrobatics. <laughs> Clear your schedule, John Blake. Uh, we need to do a sketch on that. <laughs> uh, and then Alfred uses what's left of, uh, you know, the money that he got from Bruce for traveling. And Alfred in the comics, after he left Bruce during the time that, uh, you know, Bruce was healing his back and he quit, Bruce decided, I mean, Alfred decided to go traveling around the world. So that does, that is something that's established in the comics and that was revealed in the comic Nightwing, Alfred's Return by Alan Grant. But I think the most controversial thing about this ending is that Bruce Wayne retires from being Batman and marries Selina and lives happily ever after, which, you know, would never happen in the comics, right? Did they ever get married? Uh, I never got to the bottom of that. There's so many runs and, like, what the fuck is canon and what was redone with New 52, Rebirth. Like, I'm, I'm lost, guys. Well, it did happen in the comics. That's the thing. Most people don't uh, realize this, but in the Earth 2 continuity... Bruce and Selena actually got married. Now, what is what the hell is Earth 2 continuity? This is not Elseworlds. What happened is sometime along the way, if you guys remember, there's two different Green Lanterns. We got the Alan Scott Green Lantern of the Golden Age and the Hal Jordan Green Lantern of the Silver Age, the Jay Garrick Flash of the Golden Age and the Barry Allen Flash of the Silver Age. At some point along the line, they said, well, the Golden Age stories, the original stories of all these characters, actually took place on Earth 2. And all of our current stories in the Silver Age are Earth 1 which means that everything that Bill Finger wrote took place on Earth 2. Okay. In DC continuity, which was cool because then they're just like, you know what, this is not the mainstream Earth, so we can do whatever the fuck we want, which means 
we can have Bruce Wayne grow old. Right. And yeah, we can cool. tell what happens when he gets old. So in that continuity, in the issue Superman Family number 211, Bruce and Selina start a new life together by getting married. Oh, shit. They get married, and that leads to the birth of their daughter, Helena. Oh, shit. And later on, Catwoman gets sort of enticed back into the life of crime. She gets blackmailed, basically, into donning the cat suit again. And Batman discovers that she might be in trouble. And during the time, a stray bullet ends up killing Catwoman. So this guy can never be fucking happy. Batman loses Catwoman. And uh, their daughter, Helena, though, swears vengeance and decides to take down the criminal responsible. And she becomes the Huntress which is where the Huntress comes from. Oh, shit. Yep. But Bruce basically gets old and retires and allows uh, Dick Grayson to become a grown-up Robin and the Huntress to go around, and he does not know that Helena is the Huntress, by the way. Uh, but Bruce retires from being Batman and becomes the GCPD police commissioner, which Whoa. is interesting because he's not even a cop. But uh, <laughs> It's so called money, him- baby. <laughs> this idea of him retiring and starting a new life of Catwoman comes from the Earth 2 comics and eventually he does die uh, in battle uh, but it is in the bat suit so we technically kind of got a version of this in the movie is just he faked his death and he faked his death and then went on to start a family of Selena or you know start a new life with Selena as opposed to uh the comic where he starts a new life with Selina, she dies, he retires, and then he later on dies as Batman. So, we're going to do our final round of comics versus Nolan here. We have the original comics where pretty much Batman dies in battle when he's like 50 or 60-something versus Nolan's happier ending where we kind of just leave him off with him and Selina and fill in the blanks from there. Uh, I'm going to go with comics on this one. I guess if he's going to have the Huntress and Nightwing after the fact. Uh, Huntress and a grown-up Robin. Robin. Yeah. He doesn't really become Nightwing at the, in the Earth 2 continuity. I like that yeah. continuity better than the movie. The happy, the whole free Freene Bronca thing. Like, yeah, stand up, dude. Yeah. Go say hi. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? It's awkward. All right, Andrew? I, I this is the this is the one time I might go with the movie because I don't know I I did like this ending and Michael Uslan also said he cried in the theater so I'm not the only one, <laughs> but uh, Michael Uslan's kind of biased since his name is on the movie. I know just saying, I just know, saying. but I mean he he said also this is the third one and he he's an executive producer one of and he said that he did not read the script for this one, he very well mm. could have. But he wanted to go into this one in particular since it was the last one, at least for a while, right? Um, mm-hmm. Last of a trilogy. He wanted to kind of see it as a regular audience member finally. So mm-hmm. uh, he didn't He didn't really know that all this was going to happen probably. Maybe he tried to you know, lay his head low during the production. So mm-hmm. he has a whole spiel about it. Maybe Go look it up, Michael Uslan, um, Batman producer mm-hmm. extraordinaire. But... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, everybody seems to shit on this ending, but it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, I feel like Batman, as Bruce Wayne, could use his ninja abilities during the day and fucking show up real quick before any paparazzi shows up, get a fucking drink, wink at fucking an old man, and then fucking leave. You know what I mean? I just, Mm -hmm. it's just not that big of a deal, you know? So, I don't know. I I like... I, this is the one time. This is the last one, right? I will give it to the movie. Yeah. 
I will give it to the movie. <laughs> I like my heroes have a happy ending sometimes. Well, that's nice, Andrew, but I'm going with the comic on this one. So this one goes to the comic. <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody hates this but me and Michael Uslan. Right, right. I don't I don't mind the idea of it. I just feel the execution could have been a lot better. Yeah, well, that's this, this whole because, movie. Yeah, this whole movie, but also just the idea of him, like, I'm uncomfortable with him being with this version of Catwoman because it's barely developed, his relationship with her. Like, she basically just flat out betrayed him. He's like, that's sure like, she's a keeper. End, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm like, eh, like, I don't know about that. And then just the idea of him giving up Batman and abandoning all of Gotham itself and just kind of leaving it to clean up after itself. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I do have an alternate ending, but I'd say for our Patreon listeners, they will get to listen to it as a bonus oh, shit. for our Patreon episode. So I'm going to hold that in. But... I think that does lead us to our final score. The Dark Knight Rises. Our score at the end is... 13 to 2. That's what I thought. 13 to 2, which means The Dark Knight Rises is the comics by a landslide. Jesus. Well, yeah, for sure. Let me total up everything. So the movies, if we're going to do the whole Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, uh, shit. Batman Begins was 9. Movies 9. Comics 8. The Dark Knight was movies 7, comics 8. So before we got to The Dark Knight Rises, we were at a tie. Dark Knight Rises, however, is movies 2, comics 13, which means that comics not only wins for Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight, they win for the entire trilogy. Ooh, in your face, oh, Nolan. Yeah, you well, yeah. suck. These movies are terrible. <laughs> I'm out. The, com- <laughs> the comics won every movie, right? Every single movie. Not There wasn't like a movie... For, Batman Begins won for movie. Oh, it did? Oh, by, my God. But, like, by one. By one point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, shit, man. So, I'm actually surprised that I even mean, happened. I mean, Batman Begins was, was pretty good, though. But Yeah, it was, yeah. So, let's see. If I were to total everything up, that is... Hold on real quick. Bear with me. Whoops. I might be Asian, but math was never my strong suit. So we got... <laughs> hey, man. You're the one that's bringing this stuff up. <laughs> we have... Okay, so the total, final total for Dark Knight Trilogy is movies 18, comics 29. Jesus. Comics win by a landslide for the entire trilogy. Thanks to The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. That was <laughs> so, a stinker. Uh, that is the final tour. So... If you guys enjoyed this, we have finished the solo Batman movies, but that doesn't mean the deep dives are over. Obviously, there were other Batman movies after this, the next one being Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, but we figured that to jump into that properly, we would need to step back and explore the other main character of that movie. So after The Dark Knight Rises, we are going to tackle The Last Son of Krypton, coming right up. Krypton! Find us on Instagram on Superhero Stuff Pod, as well as Twitter at Superhouse Pod. Shoutouts to our supporters. We have Aaron Willett, who is our Patreon subscriber. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you again to Wilson Ivy23 on Twitter for that correction. Uh, thank you also to Trout De Crema, who is a follower of ours on both Instagram and Twitter, who said to us, quote, catching up on Superhouse Pod episodes, loving the Dark Knight trilogy breakdowns, keep up all the great work, everyone. Hashtag, surge the sack. (laughs) 
Hashtag search and, the sack, y'all. Search. And then last shout-out goes to a friend of mine, Eric Carrasco, who watched The Dark Knight Rises with me back in 2012 with him and his girlfriend at the time, Emily Morris, who's now his fiance. Uh, and they, uh, he's currently at uh, Eric T. Carrasco on Twitter, and he is a writer, was a writer on Supergirl in the previous seasons, as well as the writer, co-writer of Justice League versus The Fatal Five. So... Shit. We will see. We will check that movie out as well for the pod for a deep dive. But anyway, over to you guys. All right, everybody. So, yeah, if you could please go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We have all kinds of tiers for you. Whatever kind of fan you are, we got the $1, the $3, the $5, 10 20 and so on. Please go and check that out. The Shasta Army is the $1 tier. That'll get you a shout out. The $3 tier will... Uh, make you eligible to ask us three questions that we will answer on air. They can be pretty much anything. Uh, Wolfie's waiting for, just waiting for this one. <laughs> and um, for more signups on that one. And uh, then uh, the $5 tier gets you into that sacred chamber behind the paywall. And uh, please join that so you can get our really awesome episodes. If you've noticed that we have more sketches and stuff like that, we have even more uh, behind the paywall, the $5 tier on that. It's a special superhero stuff you should know. Bonus DLC, whole feed. It's a whole of the show, basically. So deeper dives, sketches, news as well, things like that. And uh, also, I am Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Shout out to Kookie Noms, Matt Herring, and Elijah B. And if you could please leave us a review in iTunes, we would surely appreciate it. And also, if you could take out your phone and open up your voice recorder app and then record us a bumper, that would be really sweet. Anything like superhero stuff you should know is awesome or I fucking love superhero stuff you should know or (laughs) anything like that. And uh, please check out our YouTube. We're on all the social media, superhero stuff you should know. And Wolfie. Hey, this is Wolfie. Come and join us at the Overly Critical Hyper Analytical Movie Club on Facebook, as well as listen to the Overly Critical Hyperanalytical Movie Club podcast that we just launched as a sister show here recently. Um, I'm the host of that. Stay tuned for fun content. Uh, I'm Wolfie Cruz on Instagram. There's not a whole lot of fun shit going on there recently, but if you want to see my nice pictures, come take a look. So, yeah, I guess that's it for me signing off. Ben signing off. Oh! <laughs> This has been brought to you by the Superhouse Podcast Network. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show uh, or the Superhouse Podcast Network, uh, go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash superhousepodcast.